Get it going. It's time to get up. This whole thing with Pearson, I think he's a good player. I think he can help you. But unless you think he's taking an offer that I would be surprised to talk, it just doesn't seem to fit to me. These guys are here to break it all down. It's about the guys that are playing. It's the new guys get opportunity. And we just worry about how we can win the next game and not worry about the guys that aren't there, but worry about the guys that are there. And it is a little bit of a next man up uh, attitude. Jovo Cop. Ed Jovanovsky. Happy St. Patrick's Day, loser! This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Unless your name's Ralph Kruger, of course. It is Wednesday, March 17th. This is the starting lineup, and it's game day here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. James Zabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack, our little leprechaun on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on AM650. An uh, HD3 at 96.9 and also streaming on the Sportsnet app. At James Sabalski is where you can find me on Twitter. You can find Perry at P. Solkowski. You can also find us, uh, the station, at Sportsnet650 on both Twitter and Instagram. And the Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. Lots to get to here over the next three hours. We'll catch up with Ed Jovanovski. Jovocop drops by in an hour. We'll also talk to two-time Stanley Cup champion Ken Priestley coming up at 745 this morning. Hey, March Madness starts tomorrow. Have you got your bracket filled out? We're going to try to give you some help coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk to Robert Sacre. Former L.A. Laker, former Gonzaga Bulldog. Yeah, he's going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Now the assistant general manager with the Fraser Valley Bandits. So we'll talk to Robert coming up just after 8 o'clock as well. But we start this morning, Pair. Third coach gone in the National Hockey League as the Buffalo Sabres. They waited. Man, you talk about slow playing a losing streak. It finally hit 12, and I believe that the Sabres finally said, Uncle, okay. And they held on, man. They were in. They were in that chokehold. They were in that submission hold for what twelve games, and they finally yeah. said, "We're tapping out on Ralph Kruger, who was fired just moments ago this morning." Well, you, you tap out, but Ralph's got three point seven five million still coming his way, and I think the Pagulas and the financial hit they have taken in the last year. Not that you cry for them. You wondered, well, oh, these guys are probably going to suck it up and eat the money. Um, and that's what they do. But really, is it the coach's fault? Buffalo Sabres will now have gone through six coaches without making the playoffs. Like, at some point, it is right throughout this entire organization. And I like the Ralph Kruger play when they brought him in. You're bringing a guy that was a hockey guy, then a soccer guy from Southampton. And, James, we can remember how the players said, like, this is really interesting. We have great conversations. Eichel lit it up for the first bit. But eventually it goes sour, and you have to do something for a fan base that is just bitter. With the exception of their uniforms, when they go retro, what is there positive to say about the Buffalo Sabres? So is it fair to say, like, Ralph Kruger was the Ted Lasso of the National Hockey League, right? Coming, uh, you know. I haven't been able to see the Ted Lasso series, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> he, know, was the Tony, he was the motivational guy, right? He was the Tony Robbins. Yeah, kind of the inspirational guy, had some success, Division II football, and they bring him overseas. 
Um, hey, look, you know, from every what everybody says, and, and look, you go back from an international hockey standpoint, Ralph Kruger was the guy who has really helped build up uh, hockey in Switzerland over the last few years and kind of brought that program back to respectability on the international stage or to respectability. You know, they had the shutout with Martin Gerber in the 2006 Olympics and that shutout Canada, right? If you remember that going back 15 years ago, you know, that was Ralph Kruger behind the bench. And, you know, a guy who was widely respected as a good hockey man, an upbeat, positive type guy, but, you know, obviously was dealing with Mission Impossible with the Edmonton Oilers when they were going through coaches the way we go through underwear on the day-to-day basis where they went through, what, five coaches in four years uh, earlier in the decade, about 10 years ago. And then he gets this job in Buffalo where, man, it's like, okay, you've got all this young talent to work with here and just unable to make anything work here, Pear, where, man, it was top pick after top pick after top pick, Eichel, Reinhardt, Ristolainen, and uh, Rasmus Dahlin. And for whatever reason, all this collection of young talent, and they go out and they've tried to spend the money to bring in, you know, bring in Jeff Skinner. They make that trade and then sign him to the $9 million average annual uh, contract annually. You bring in, uh, an, an, you know, Kyle Oposo. I mean, look at that signing. And we complain about Louis Erickson here. It's like, Kyle Oposo, hold my beer, right? And, and then you bring in Taylor Hall this year. Nothing has clicked. Eric Stahl they tried to bring in for some character and leadership. I mean, that's turned to mush. Everything that the Sabres have touched over the last, what, 10, 12 years has fallen apart. It always seems that, you know, you look at that and it's too long that you can go at the Sabres and question where their character is. Like, who is leading this team? When we talked about it yesterday, you go, hmm, okay, so Rasmus Dahlin. Where has this guy grown as a hockey player in that environment? And now, you know, you've got young Dylan Cousins there who everybody loves and go, okay, how is this going to work? Curtis Lazar, a guy who never, ever panned out. Casey Middlestat, better as a junior player than he has been as a pro. But it's not Ralph Kruger's fault, right? I mean, the GMs that they've bought in, Botterill and now Adams, you just think, okay, whatever you guys have touched has just gone sour. And, And the fan base has gone sour. Thankfully for them, they haven't had to pay money to witness this right now. But I'm not going to pit it on Ralph Kruger, who I would guess, and Elliot Friedman's going to join us in about 10 minutes now. I'm going to guess Ralph Kruger probably interviews in any better NHL coach there is. Like, if you get two hours with Ralph Kruger, he is going to spin you into, oh, this guy's unbelievable. And the resume shows that, except behind the bench, and who knows what they do. Don Granato will go there for now. But I wonder with, you know, Bruce Boudreaux's name has been circulating. Are we going old school again, James? They went old school with Sutter and Calgary. Ralph Kruger, this new mind, this this new thinker doesn't work again. Did just have to go to lack of a better word, that hard ass coach that's gonna get something from everybody and doesn't care about how much money you make. So the interim coach is Don Granato, who you know, I think we I think from a national hockey league standpoint, I think we associate more Tony Granato, right? Or or mm-hmm. Don's younger Cammy? sister, Cammy, right? Hockey Hall of Famer. Right, I mean, you know, Don is kind of the, the lesser-known entity of the three Granado siblings, uh, but he's going to take over on an interim basis. I, I, are you not surprised to see? You touched on this at the outset, but three point seven five million is what Ralph Kruger is owed next year. Uh, you know, Mike Babcock, man, for all the negativity that kind of swirls around Mike Babcock. Boy, oh boy, man, he got some coaches paid in the last five years since taking that contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, what, that eight-year deal uh, going back? Comes what, back five to timing, though, right? Comes back to timing. Like right now, you know, Travis Green, how bad is your timing? 
Ah, oh, geez, I don't know if we have the money. In fact, we won't work on the deal. But you're right. Babcock comes in there. Anybody who can sign two years after that, you go, hey, look what he's making. All right, so I guess an average coach gets paid almost $4 million, and you're coming from a soccer team? Yeah, oh, you're right, man. That's like anybody else. If you're the, you're the unrestricted free agent at the right time, the bank is coming. You're the unrestricted free agent, as we saw in the summertime, yeah, not so much. You have to wait. So yeah, yeah. I think there's, I think there's a few coaches that uh, when Babs got his deal, was, hey, this isn't a bad gig to have right now. Thanks for pushing it to a place I personally don't think they'll ever get to again. I, I don't know if the Sabers are going to win another game this month. You know the way that their schedule kind of sets up. They've got a double shot against the Bruins. They've got one game against the Rangers, and it's a double shot against the Penguins. You got Philly for two, and you got Boston one more again before the month closes out. I mean, it's uh, maybe that game against the Rangers is somewhat forgiving, but man, Boston three times, Philly twice, Pittsburgh twice. I don't like their chances, man. And and look at the money that they've got committed to their big three up front. You got almost thirty million dollars combined with Eichel, Taylor Hall, and Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner's got two goals this year. Mm-hmm. Jack Eichel's got two goals. And Taylor Hall, two goals. Like, that's the season. Yeah, and there's a lot of people going, and I'm not the guy that believes. A lot of people go, Jeff Skinner would be the happiest guy this morning. Really? You know, if you're an NHL superstar, can you not play for whoever the coach is? And maybe if he's moving you up and down the lineup, you still show at $9 million and the experience you've had that you're good enough in this league to still impress. Like, honestly, I just don't think a coach can completely put handcuffs on you if you're a guy that's worth $9 million and you're a legitimate NHL superstar. So I just don't know how many guys in the Sabres uniform want to own responsibility. So, yeah, they are probably skating at the rink this morning going, "Ah, all right, right, try something new. Well, it's nothing different. Maybe work a little harder. Maybe have a better attitude. Elliot Friedman's going to join us here in just a few minutes with the latest on what went down in Buffalo here this morning. Um, But also, the Vancouver Canucks are in action again tonight. They'll try to make it three straight when they uh, try to take uh, uh, continue the perfect record against the Ottawa Senators this season. Already 4-0 on the year. Uh, they squeaked by the Sens on Monday night in a lackluster performance, but except for Thatcher Demko, who stood on his head again, they come away with the 3-2 overtime victory. Uh, back at it, 4 o'clock start here on Sportsnet 650, and we could see a familiar face back in the lineup for the first time in over five weeks, and that is the return of Tyler Mott. Here Here's what Travis Green had to say about the uh, potential return tonight to Tyler Mott, who was skating on the third line of practice yesterday. That brings a lot to our team um, that goes unnoticed. He's, he's got a lot of energy in his game. He, his pace is high, um, which certain nights I think we need that. I thought last night was one of them. I thought we, we lacked some speed last night. I, I didn't think we skated that well. And, uh, you know, he's a good penalty killer. He's got a good touch with the puck was off to a good start this year and uh we definitely miss him so it'll be good to get him back so tyler mott man uh a guy who was off to a great start before going down with what five goals to start the season pair uh mm-hmm. and, and really brought some jump and hustle after taking a few too many minor penalties i think in the first week of the year but really kind of found his groove 
Well, he's a legitimate, you know, bottom six guy. If you're an NHL team, you go, I don't mind having a guy like that on my bottom six. I think this hockey team, for lack of depth, you plug some guys that maybe aren't top six guys, and they try and fill that road role. A Pearson over ten, and right now you go, well, that's what we have for a top six. Tyler Mott is a legitimate guy. He skated on the third line yesterday, so if his ankle's fine and if he's skating on the third line in practice, um, I, I think all bets are off. He'll be back in that lineup, and he, you just notice him, right? You notice him. For him to have 5-15 and 15 to start the year and for him to have played as well as he did in August, I mean, arguably one of their top three guys in the playoffs, and I think that's constantly there. Good or bad, it's constantly there, and this team has been lacking some energy, some kind of a spark, and Tyler Mott coming back, you know, maybe it's the state of where this team is, but Tyler Mott coming back is going to refresh that hockey team in a big way and make a difference for them. Well, already undermanned with no Pedersen up front, uh, no Jay Beagle, obviously, Antoine Roussel, that they've been dealing with some of these injuries. And, and you know, in, in fairness, like, it wasn't pretty on Monday night, but they found a way to win. I'll ask you this, though. Like, I'm a Tyler Mott fan. Right, I mean, he's won this market over after this market went almost nuclear almost three years ago with the Thomas Vanek trade for for Tyler Mott, and he's turned into a player. But for the value, like you know, look, I, I would agree with you in terms of he is their best bottom six player on the team when healthy. Mm-hmm. But do you trade Tyler Mott with nah. the deadline coming up? Elliot mentioned his name in the 31 Thoughts column last week that his name has come up in some trade discussion. Do you move Tyler Mott at the deadline? No. And I bet you he gets the most calls if he comes back and starts playing well because he's of the most value. But, James, like we can't keep moving all these people if you're the Vancouver Canucks. And so you get rid of Tyler Mott, and then you go searching for a guy who we've just both decided he's probably their best bottom six guy at a number that's good salary-wise. You can't. I mean, every phone call you get, he's going to be the one that's going to, hey, we'll take him. But the if return could Benning- be good, right? But the, but that's the difference, though, Pear. Like, the return could be good for Tyler Mott, right? I mean, it's a lot easier to find a bottom six guy than it is a top six guy. And depending on what you can get back, it might be worth it might be worth moving, right? Like, that's the well, thing. What like, you- I, I like Tyler Mott, but at the same time, like, is, is he untouchable? He's not untouchable on my list. No. But if you're, I, I, you, this hockey team needs a player to be traded for a player who fits in. So what are you getting for Tyler Mott? You're getting a, maybe you're getting a high pick, but you don't need high picks anymore. You've got your high picks that are playing for you. You need actual NHL players that can plug and play. And Tyler Mott's a guy who can plug and play. And Tyler Mott may be plugged and played into this team for the next five years, and that's not a bad thing at all. So, yeah, I think the return will be good, but in the form of a pick, I don't think the return is, hey, we're going to give you our best top six guy. Can you give us your best, our, our bottom six guy? And can you give us your best bottom six? That's not a trade people are going to make. Yeah, you can blame Elliot for, for for surfacing his name in the uh, 31 thoughts last week. Uh, he's been trying to avoid me like the plague for the last quarter century, but he's stuck with me again. Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet Hockey Insider, who joins us bright and early this morning uh, with news that Ralph Kruger is out in Buffalo. Friedman, how are you, sir? I don't think it's like the plague. I think you actually are the plague. Like the plague. That's fair. The Department of Clarification is still alive and kicking. Thanks, buddy. Um, what do you like? Uh, what what finally makes the Sabers say "Uncle" here after twelve straight losses? I think this has been in motion for a little bit of time, actually, uh, uh, James. You know, I, I think you have to get everything in order. I think I think you have to do it on a day that makes sense. You know, they went. They went back to back. Um, you know, obviously, I think you have to line everything up. You have to figure out what your alternatives are. 
you know, I do think one of the things they're thinking about here is that Kruger is under contract for another year at about $3.75 million. So you're thinking about, okay, what's our budget? Um, you know, do we want to do an interim or do we want to see if we can get someone right now? I mean, there are guys available if they wanted to go. And I know Boudreaux would love that job. He's from just over the border in St. Catharines, Ontario. He still runs a hockey school there. Uh, I'm sure he would love to have done it. But uh, they went internal. Don Granato was the interim. Uh, Kevin Adams is speaking in about two hours. We'll find out if it's for the rest of the year or we'll do a search now. But I think all of those things are a factor, but I think this has been in motion for a couple of days. Well, you lose that much, you have to make a change. But, boy, it's been a revolving door in Buffalo without them seeing any playoff progress. You say Boudreaux would like that job. I mean, is this not simply the players got to own it at some point, the the mixture they have in that room, the price tags that are associated with the players – it's just not a fit. Yeah, Perry, like if you wanted to go into what is wrong here, you could have a lengthy dissertation that could go in a lot of different directions. I mean, you know, one of the things that, you know, the parallel between the Bills, you know, for a long time, like they had a lot of severances on the Bills too, from Rex Ryan on down, and finally they got it right with this hire. And, you know, I think the other thing that's really crazy about this whole situation is, you know, they went for, you know, hockey people. They went to Murray. They went Jason Botterill. They went through their coaches. And then they said, you know what, we don't like the hockey people way. And they went outside. They went to Ralph Kruger. And that hasn't worked either. And Kruger, I think, had a bit of say this offseason on some of the choices they made. Um so everything's kind of gone wrong there. And, yes, the players also have to take responsibility. I mean, if you've, if you've watched them play lately, you know, they haven't played well at all. And I do think that one thing that Kevin Adams is trying to do right now is map out their future. But I, I think the, the number one thing the Sabres have to do is they have one of the thinnest scouting staffs in the National Hockey League, uh-huh. just in terms of people. Mm-hmm. And this is such a huge draft for them. They're also going to be making decisions on their players, who to trade for, who to get. And you have to have boots on the ground. You know, video scouting is important, especially this year. You can't do without it. But you've also got to go see people. And that's the concern I would have if I was Buffalo is, do we have enough coverage out there trying to look at the players that, you know, we hope are going to be our next foundation? And it's funny because that's a similar conversation you hear out of Carolina as well with the thin staff uh, that they deal with on that. Elliot Friedman here on Sportsnet 650. Talk about talk about a, a no-win situation where, you know, there's only, what, 31, now 32 jobs uh, as general managers in the National Hockey League on the planet. But Kevin yeah. Adams, man, like, talk about stepping into a big, like, talk about stepping into it, right? I mean, it's, where do you go? Where do you start, right? Because, like you said, El, I mean, they have tried to they have tried to rebuild they've gone through the draft talent 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 they've tried to add by free agency they've tried like they've tried everything that they have thrown against the wall has essentially fallen off yeah yeah you know i got to tell you you know james it's it's so true i get um you know for the last little while every radio hit i do it's you know what do you do in buffalo and i have to tell you it's <laughs> I don't it's know. Not an easy answer. I'm supposed <laughs> to be this this insider expert who's got answers to these questions, and <laughs> I, I don't. I, you know, I mean, like you said, they've tried everything. I mean, you know, one of the things I I, I do kind of wonder about is, I, I, you know, 
the new Bills management team, the word is that there's a specific list of things that they can do independently. Like they can just say, all right, you know, we, we get to do this. And, and I think it's more like you always let your owner know what you're doing because that's the proper respect you should have for the person that runs your team or, the, in this case, the people that run your team. Um, but you don't have to necessarily ask for approval for it. And I wonder if that's kind of one of the things there. I mean, I don't think it's ever, ever as simple as saying this is all ownership's fault, but it's all happened under them, right? So there, there's got to be something. I, I don't know. I mean, there, there has to be something there. And, you know, but I, again, as you said, James, they've tried it different ways and it hasn't worked. So I have to admit, I'm kind of lost on, you know, a full explanation for where you go from here. As the trade deadline approaches, they've made it very clear. Everyone kind of is available, but with those price tags, is anybody picking on a Buffalo Sabre? Well, I, I think there, you know, I, I think there can be some players. I mean, you know, the Eichel situation with his injury, he's probably out for the rest of the season. So that's not, if that's going anywhere, that's not happening now. That'll happen uh, somewhere down the road, probably around the draft off season. But I mean, you know, Hall hasn't had a great year, but I can see someone taking a shot as a rental. Um, you know, Sam Reinhart, um, you know, that's a guy who this year, he's played really hard for them. Yeah. Um, you know, when I watch the Buffalo games, I, I, I see a guy who's competing. I would, I mean, I would be interested in Reinhardt, Eric Stahl. I mean, obviously, if they put Dalene out there, and I don't know that they will, would do that, um, you know, I, I think someone would definitely take their shot at him. You know, one of the things I think that's kind of going on right now is Detroit, where they have a very limited number of players who are off the market, and they're saying, look, we'll do what it takes to see if we can add pieces to our rebuild. And I think if you're Buffalo, you've got to be thinking very similarly. You touched on Dalene. And here's a guy yeah. who, what, three years wow. ago was billed as the generational talent. We focus so much yeah. on, on Eichel, but what hasn't clicked for, for Darlene? Like, the numbers seem to be there offensively, but why why hasn't he turned or, or evolved into this wonderful generational talent that we all expected? Like, it was all, you know, falling for Dolan, right? I mean, remember that whole conversation yeah. for even oh, teams yeah. taking for him? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, James, it's amazing. You know, I... Like I don't wa- I haven't watched the Sabres a ton this year. I watched them at the beginning, and then as they started falling apart, I, I stopped watching them. And lately, I've been, you know, watching them again because you know you kind of have to. And it, it really is amazing to see the lack of impact he has. And I think you know some of it's obviously got to be on him, but I think a lot of it's got to be the situation. I mean, yeah, you know. Who, like, like, who's gotten better there? Yeah. And he's such a quiet kid, right, guys? Like, honestly, yes, he, yes. he's just going to quietly observe, and he's been observing a tire fire for two years. Yes, and, you know, I, I would bet, like, like uh, I, would, I would bet, Perry, that there are a bunch of players on that team who are, are, are saying, you know, I would like to be the one to go somewhere else. Maybe I could get into a better situation. It would help me. And... You know, I don't know that a lot of guys have asked for trades, but I do think there's players there who would not be disappointed if they were in trades. 
Fridge, thanks for this, uh, doing this so quickly. I know it's a busy time, and uh, I'm sure your head's spinning and your phone's blowing up, so thanks for finding a few minutes with us uh, lowly skis here on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, I, Perry, it was a pleasure to join you. Uh, next year, <laughs> Beef Wellington on Perry next time, James, Friedman. Uh, yeah. Nothing but the truth. I, no, no sneezing today, James. I just <laughs> wanted to let you that know. That was amazing. Oh, thank you for that, Ellie. Thank you for that last week. <laughs> I hope you got a year-long supply it. from Claritin after that endorsement. Yeah, there. you got to tell BXer to throw a Claritin or something in his backdrop on Saturday <laughs> just to pay for it. <laughs> Thanks, Reach. All right, guys. Have a Take great care, day. Man. Uh, there he is, Sportsnet Hockey Insider, Elliot Friedman, doing work uh, with the latest as Ralph Kruger out in Buffalo as the Sabres dropped their 12th straight last night, falling 3-2 to the New Jersey Devils. We'll get to much more of this 24 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. It is game day with the Canucks and the Senators from the nation's capital. A reminder, hey, golfers, great Vancouver golf for less. Yeah, all you got to do is go to discountgolfcard.ca for all the details and to order your Vancouver discount golf card today. Much more in a moment. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sabalski. Happy St. Patrick's Day here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Oh, it is the biggest mix-up that you have ever seen. My father, he was orange, and my mother, she was green. Ah, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Uh, It is game day here in the city as the Canucks uh, will try to uh, sweep the Ottawa Senators uh, and make it a perfect 5-0 in the nation's capital uh, later on. Pre-game show this afternoon here on Sportsnet 650 starting at 2 o'clock. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at 4. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, or is it O. Sabalski and O. Solkowski on this day? you know, I was just thinking, though, when you go back and, and you think about some of your major blowouts in, in, in the hardcore party days, I don't know if I can ever pinpoint a, a St. Patty's Day. Like, I'll, I'll find you Halloween. I'll, I'll find you a whole bunch of other things. But I don't know if I've had St. Patty's Days in my Rolodex of that one got really crazy. How about you? Uh, I can think of a Saturday when St. Patrick's Day fell on a Saturday of probably about a dozen years ago. That was that was a next level kind of starting at noon and going till it's pre kids, yeah. right? Until about yeah, well, well yeah. two o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I was hoping you weren't gonna relate a story like you know what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a year ago it was Thursday. I didn't yeah. see the family for four days, couldn't get home. Yeah. Actually, you know I'm what? When we all when we all lost our, jo- <laughs> I, I don't know if this is something. I don't know if this is something that. To, to, but about five years ago, when they shut down the uh, Sportsnet Pacific TV studios, uh, there were a few of us that were left on the sidelines, and we had. Uh, and, and about a week later, it was St. Patrick's Day, so we kind of used that as a blowout. It was a bit of a somber sort of blowout, but it was a blowout on St. Patrick's Day, nonetheless. So that was about five years. Ago. Yeah, so, there you go. Hey, uh, can I? Canucks in action. Uh, you are one to always say, right? Work, work smarter, not harder. I think Quinn Hughes is, is realizing that, right? Quinn Hughes speaking to the media yesterday. And by the way, as I turn into my positive Perry, mm-hmm. if results go right tonight for the Vancouver Canucks, if you get a win from Calgary, if you get a win from Montreal, which you don't want, you're chasing those teams. But James, I say in March, enjoy the hockey, don't look at the standings. But the Canucks would actually only be four points out of second place. Now, let's not do the math, who's playing it, and the game's in hand. But the fact is, they could be four points out of second place 
tonight in the North Division if everything goes their way. Yeah, I, I think it's also identifying which team is probably most realistic to catch, right? So, well, don't know, ruin you, my positivity. Well, no, but I, uh, so if you go to Money Puck, okay, I'm going to be buzzkill here for a second, but Money Puck has the Canucks playoff chances at 7.1% right now, right? Yeah. So I'm telling you there's a chance, just not a very good one uh, at that. But if you, if, you, if you look at the math and you look at the games and the win percentage, you know, Montreal isn't necessarily the team you're chasing, right? Now, the Habs technically no. hold down the fourth and final playoff spot, but the Habs also have four games in hand in addition to a three-point cushion, right? So, in theory, you could be looking at a potential 11-point gap if the Habs were to win those four games in hand. Now, not to say that they're going to sweep those, but you look at the math, like there's a lot of points out there for the Montreal Canadiens. Now, if you look at the Edmonton Oilers, who only have one game in hand, they've got a six-point cushion, but the maximum, if they were to take that victory with that game in hand, you're looking at an eight-point gap pair. Like, that's where the one that, that you're probably looking at the Oilers where there's no games in hand. So if, in theory, the Canucks were to beat the Senators tonight, which is a very strong possibility given that they're already 4-0 this year against Ottawa, um, and given the way that Thatcher Demko's playing, and if he isn't to start and goal again, now there's there's the possibility where you can look at if Edmonton falls to Calgary again, the way that the Flames are playing, suddenly mm-hmm. like there you, you go, like you mentioned. Now you're only four points back of an Oilers team that only has one game in hand. That's where you can start thinking there's hope there. That feels way and- more realistic than a Montreal team that's got four games in hand. You get the Oilers five more times, too, right? So there's 10 points that you have control of. Um, put it this way. As we get set for March Madness, and we'll talk with Robert Sacker about it at 8 o'clock, to me, win tonight, and then if you want to get into the dance, which is actually the serious conversation, you need to win two in Montreal. You win two in Montreal, and you can be part of this conversation for the next three or four weeks as, as the Canucks move forward. Um, Quinn Hughes speaking yesterday. How he has become a smarter player when you're playing 22 and a half minutes a game. He's learned to pick his chances. And the fact that you play teams a couple of times goes, okay, uh, they might know my tendencies. I figured it out now. Especially since we've been playing every other day for since the start of the season. I, I think uh, that's one of the things is trying to, you know, pick and choose your spots because you're playing so much. And um, the other part of that is, like I just said, you're playing these teams so many times is that, um, you know, sometimes you keep it, keep it simple, keep it simple. And then uh, they don't expect you to make the move that you're going to make. And um, sometimes that's just what you have to do. And um, so for me, when I see my spot, I'll, I'll, I'll try and take advantage of it. You know, James, I think it's hard for someone like Quinn Hughes to say, keep it simple. And we'll get into it with Eddie. I just think when you have that much ability and he believes in his confidence to do what is essentially a mundane it's hard for him, but he's been doing it more often, and it makes him more effective. Well, you know what? Ed Jovanoski will join us in about 25 minutes, and Ed will be able to talk to firsthand about the mindset of what Quinn Hughes, because Eddie liked to take chances, right? He brought that sort of dynamic on the back end. But Ian McIntyre had a great deep dive on this in sportsnet.ca you can check out. And you look at the numbers, Quinn Hughes, a point-of-game player in the first half of the season or the first dozen games, but he also was chasing the green jacket at 12-under, like looked like a real mm-hmm. good contender for Augusta next month, where now the last 17 games, you know, his plus-minus has improved dramatically, and 
but his points are down to about he's got about nine points in the last 17 games. You know, still picking up points, not as a, as rapid a pace as he was at the start of the year, but he's also been better in his own end. And I think you'd take that, right? He's still bringing some offense from the back end, but at least it's starting to level out now here in, I don't want to say the second half of the season, but if you were to if you would take the first 32 games that the Canucks have played so far here, Pear, the last 15, 16 have been way more encouraging than the first half in the overall game that Quinn Hughes brings on a nightly basis. Well, show me an NHL player that's uh, pleased with his, uh, you know, three-point performance in a 6-4 loss. And I'll show you a guy that you know, a lot of people don't want on their team, right? This is the farthest thing from a me game. And Quinn Hughes was a big part of the offense, and the defense has been a big part of what they've been going forward. Um, and it's and it's picking your spots, right? To go off the glass and out is nothing Quinn Hughes wants to do. He's probably been able to do that since he was four years old. It's to spin on guys, and now he makes the right decisions. And structurally, everybody around him has been better. So uh, I think the numbers, just like we talked about this Canucks roster and where they were in the standings after two months ago, you know, they're not as bad as the standings reflect. I think Quinn Hughes, you know, plus minus, the minus wasn't as bad as he was playing, uh, and everything seems to have calmed down across the board for everybody. All right, 638, let's get into today's edition of Seaball Says. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650. So Russell Wilson is still a Seattle Seahawk. And Andy Dalton is now a Chicago Bear. Seahawks fans, breathe. And Bears fans, I'm going to throw up. I think I'm going to throw Don't up. throw up. Yeah, here's how it all played out, according to ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter. Well, I'm told that the Chicago Bears made a quote-unquote very aggressive pursuit. Those were the exact words that were used to me. A very aggressive pursuit to try to pry loose Russell Wilson from the Seahawks. And they were told that the Seahawks were not interested in in trading Russell Wilson at this time. Well, it's understandable from Seattle's standpoint, right? A franchise quarterback, top five in the NFL, and it's tough to get full replacement value for Russell. So for now, anyways, Russ can still cook, and Pete Carroll will try to help mend those fences unless Seahawks manager John Schneider decides to have a change of heart and move Russ later in the year. One thing is for certain, they need to start protecting Russell Wilson, right? After being dropped close to 400 times in nine seasons, that is a recipe for Russ to break down at any minute. Meantime, in Chicago, where to begin? The epitome of a dumpster fire at the quarterback position continues now with Andy Dalton. Yes, the same QB who was run out of Cincinnati and signed as a backup in Dallas last year, only to start when Dak Prescott got hurt. Look at the last 15 years alone in Chicago at the quarterback position, okay? Rex Grossman, Jay Cutler, Mitchell Trubisky. Three of the biggest jokes in the National Football League, right? You're joking around about quarterback play in the last 15 years. There's three of the biggest jokes, right? Rex, Smoke and Jay, and Mitchell Trubisky. 
And what's crazy is that Rex went to a Super Bowl, Smoke and Jay went to an NFC Championship, and Chicago passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and also traded up to get Mitch. That's Chicago Bears football at the quarterback position in a nutshell. I thought it was horrible, disgusting, embarrassing, shameful. It stuck. How Ryan Pace, their general manager, and head coach Matt Nagy have stayed employed in Chicago is insane. To essentially go with a one-two punch at quarterback right now with Nick Foles and the Red Rifle. Oh, it's a punch, all right. It's a punch to the junk to Bears fans everywhere after being teased with the idea of Wilson. (laughs) Man, you are one pathetic loser. No offense. Oh, so on this St. Patrick's Day, the only pot of gold to be found in the Windy City is fool's gold. While Seahawks fans can sleep better for at least a few more months anyway. That's this morning's Seaball says. Yeah, I, I like Andy Dalton. I feel bad for him when you know you're the last guy that the team and the fans wanted to hear. Hey, we've got Andy Dalton. You know, he gets all the bonuses. He's going to pay $13 million. It's great. I would rather him than Nick Foles. And now, as you mentioned, your team that you have suffered through all these years, you know, what do they do? Do they do they draft a quarterback and say Andy Dalton is going to kind of be the placeholder and we'll see if we can get a guy who can be a difference maker in a couple years as he watches on the sidelines? Uh, it's too bad because you went all in with Khalil Mack and you had that defense to be as good as it was. Um, but honestly, if you give me Trubinsky, you give me Foles, I'll take Andy Dalton. Once he got into a group with that Dallas Cowboys offense, he was okay. It would have been a plan B for them, certainly. But, you know, let's hope that it's not, you know, Andy's our guy for a while. I I would think he would draft a quarterback this year. Let me ask you this, though. Like, we've been doing this show for almost three years together. I still don't know who your team is in the NFL. Uh, I don't. I don't have a team. I I have a Green Bay Packer mug. I had a Green Bay Packer Brett Favre jersey. Uh, and my team sways with whoever I decide to go with in fantasy football. Simple as that. So uh, I am a guy who's an allegiance to making money. I could care less what team there is. I was a Green Bay guy growing up. I love the Chicago Bears. I actually wrote a paper in college about William the Refrigerator Perry. So you give me Willie Galt, you give me the Super Bowl Shuffer, you give me, I used to run heels because that's what sweetness did. I move around, man. I don't suffer with anybody. I don't suffer fools, and that's exactly what you are as a Bears fan. Greg Ballack, do you want to answer uh, what Perry's team is? Well, I just said in your ear, James, he's a bandwagoner. That's mm. what it sounds like to me. Mm. No, I'm not a bandwagoner. I'm, yeah. a great guy. I'm a guy who grew up in Edmonton, and I don't live and die with the Edmonton Oilers. I, listen, I, I was made sure I partied really hard. I'm proud of the fact <laughs> that I drank out of the Stanley Cup six hours after it was awarded to them. <laughs> But I move Which on year? from that. Which year? I move on from uh, 1987 because we were talking about nights that work for St. Patty's Day. That game seven against the Philadelphia Flyers was a uh, Sunday night. Yes, it, it was. About, it was Victoria Day. It was a, a fire a Victoria Day weekend, wasn't it? It was a Sunday night that began at about 10 in the morning with a ball hockey game where there might have been some vodka in the Gatorade. And we worked hard to get the puck drop and uh, shut it down at Gord Miller's house, of all things, at about four in the morning. But we got to a nightclub, and Essa Tikkanen had walked in with the Stanley Cup and said, oh, well, right place, right time. So there you go. Live and die with Andy Dalton, my friend, the Red Rifle.
On this day to no. celebrate green, it's all red. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Uh, Doran and Victoria, you guys can have Jimmy G after my Niners trade for Watson, James. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, all right. Ed Jovanovski is going to join us just after 7 o'clock. What do we got coming up? I'm assuming more BS based on that. I'll tell you what. It wasn't BS. It was PS on a St. Paddy's Day to remember in Montreal. We'll give you all the details on a game day on Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just PS with Perry Solkowski. Game day Wednesday morning, some facts and figures that are not P.S., just P.S. for you, everybody. Uh, he's been pretty special, in fact. Nobody does it better. That's been the case for Thatcher Demko. You know, we've had a text in saying, why are you guys talking about the playoffs? Well, no one has more wins and no one has a better save percentage in March than Thatcher Demko. If your goalie is stopping at a 9.53 save percentage rate. It's crazy. I'm shaking my head like I'm Mark Stone in the bubble and, and seeing Thatcher Dimple. What are you doing? James, you could have those conversations as far-fetched as they may be if Thatcher Demko somehow, incredibly, can keep up the pace he's on right now. Well, five more games before the week-long break for the Canucks, and I think the assumption is amongst most hockey fans is that Demmer's going to play for them. Four of them, and I would argue on Saturday night, if he wins on Friday, it's his call and not the team's if he's on this kind of a role. Rest him rest Friday, let him play Saturday. That's my call. P.S., uh, he loves his sports, and now he's coming to a new platform near you. Hey, um, are you uh, Tom Brady? Yeah. Um, hey, um, your neighbor's called, and your air conditioner's making a loud noise, so I'm supposed to check out the unit. Uh, okay, yeah, it's around back. Okay, um, I just may need a signature in case uh, you gotta get some pots for the billing. You can just uh, write that to uh, John and Ted with number 12. Mark Wahlberg, uh, man, he this guy has his hands in so many things, of course, executive producer of, of Ballers, the show that was great with The Rock. I mean, he was the guy behind Entourage, kind of his story. Now Wahlberg yesterday announced he's behind a new platform. It's called BallersReport.com says it's a mishmash. You're going to get your sports. You're going to get your entertainment. You're going to get your business. Everything Mark Wahlberg touches, man, uh, good vibrations. You got the man crush on Tom Brady. This is two days in a I row. I knew you were going to say that. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm looking for some Mark, Wal Mark Wahlberg. I think I could go good vibrations. And I found the Tom Brady scene. I, I would have bet money that you would have you given me a Tom Brady love. You, you could have gone down the road of, you know, uh, you know, there's Entourage. You could have gone with how many movies has he done? You could have gone with Fear. From the 90s, could have gone with Marky Mark, but Tom Brady. Perry's got a crush. Perry's that, that, got a crush. That, that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Uh, P.S., man, it is the greenest day of the year, but one of some bad memories from Montreal Canadian fans. An angry young fan concocted a homemade tear gas bomb in his kitchen and detonated it not far from Campbell's seat. A cloud of yellow gas begins to spread. And now it really became something scary, something frightening. I was afraid. 
That's the great Red Fisher. James, I went down the rabbit hole yesterday, watched the documentary on Maurice the Rocket Richard and the riots that took place on St. Paddy's Day in 1953. 37 people injured, 100 people arrested because Richard had been suspended by the NHL for the rest of the season, including the playoffs by Clarence Campbell, who showed up at a game that night on St. Paddy's Day, showed up late so everyone could see him, a bomb, a, a Molotov cocktail thrown towards him. It all spewed out into the streets. It is crazy to think about that happening at that time in Montreal. They, well, the impact, right? I mean, the guy oh. who was the, the Babe Ruth, really, of the National Hockey League, the first real superstar that the National Hockey League had. And you're right. <laughs> I mean, for, for fans to be that venomous, Right, and you think about people being pissed off, and think of this market feeling that they've been jobbed. And I mean, look, we've seen riots here in this city twice, right, after Game Sevens of Stanley Cups, but over a suspension, right, suspending Rocket Richard, like that would be the equivalent of now, like Edmonton having a riot because Connor McDavid got suspended for something. But also, Rocket Richard, and it kind of reminded me, as they said, Rocket Richard, not only the best player in the league. But back then, he had to be the toughest. Like, some of the videos crazy. Oh, yeah. So take your Connor McDavid or your Austin Matthews and go, okay, but they also fight Ryan Reeves and they fight Milan Luchas just so they get their own room. They didn't have an enforcer. And part of that was it was decided in New York by, by league owners that, you know what, we're going to suspend the Rocket. So that whole hearing they had in Montreal, they said, was phony to begin with. But oh, I crazy. mean, and what he got suspended for, I mean, there's no video that, that really exists of it. No, nope, there's none. The, but the, I mean, look, before Mr. Hockey, and everybody knew you didn't mess with Gordy Howe, but Rocket Richard, I mean, look at the images and look at the eyes. Take a look at the eyes, man. There are some, that is somebody you do not want to step to, right? Um, hey, quick shout out to uh, one of our loyal listeners, Jono, celebrating his daughter's 10th birthday. So happy birthday to Jono and the gang over on their end here on this St. Patrick's Day. Five minutes to seven o'clock. It is game day. Ed Jovanoski weighs in on the Sabres change behind the bench and looking ahead to the Canucks and Sens next here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. This whole thing with Pearson, I think he's a good player. I think he can help you. But unless you think he's taking an offer that I would be surprised to took, it just doesn't seem to fit to me. These guys are here to break it all down. It's about the guys that are playing. It's new guys get opportunity. And we just worry about how we can win the next game and not worry about the guys that aren't there, but worry about the guys that are there. And it is a little bit of a next man up uh, attitude. Jovo Cop. Ed Jovanovsky. Happy St. Patrick's Day, loser! This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. All right, two minutes after 7 o'clock here. It is game day. Uh, Canucks and the Senators, uh, Ottawa, 0 for 4 against Vancouver so far this season. Pre-game show starts at 2 o'clock. Uh, puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way. A little matinee affair at 4 p.m. Zabalski and Solkowski, and we uh, bring in... Jovokop, Ed Jovanovsky, the third member of this St. Patrick's Day O-Ski team. Eddie, happy St. Patrick's Day, buddy. Happy St. Patty's Day, fellas. Do you celebrate? Uh, um, not really. <laughs> I mean, I used to. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. You used um, to. Now you're grown up. No. 
Yeah, I got my daughter coming in with a few of her friends from from school, and and there seemed to she just kind of sprung that on me that they're going to Miami for the weekend. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh. Would you like to get her on the line? Do you need some parenting here? Hey, Dad, we're going to Miami. <laughs> really? Uh, oh. I'll read her the riot act before she goes. Did uh, did it, did it ever work out as a player that you guys might have had a St. Patty's Day on the road with no game the next day? That you remember? Not that I remember, but I'm sure there was one. You know, f- um, you know, drinking that green beer. There's always a good Irish pub where you can go, kind of settle down and have a few pops. But yeah, it's a great, great holiday. It's always fun. Everybody's in a good mood. Yeah, it's no. a little bit different, you know, it, with everything going on. But uh, we need some happy times around here, and hopefully, we're we're turning the corner here. That's why your daughter's going to Miami. I was um, going to say, <laughs> maybe maybe Ralph Kruger might want to be taking a trip to Miami after. I, I guess before we kind of dive yeah. in on the Canucks, but give me your give me a sense of your reaction to uh, the Sabers finally cutting bait behind the bench on Ralph Kruger, going with Don Granado on an interim basis after having lost their twelfth straight here. Yeah, it's, you know, when, I don't know what's going on in Buffalo. It's, I mean, it's, it's tough to watch and, you know, you feel for, you know, I guess, you know, a little of the ownership kind of, you know, putting pieces there, trying to, you know, to, to write the ship, but just for whatever reason, just can't seem to figure it out. And, you know, with their top guy being out and, you know, I saw Hall got hurt yesterday. I don't know if he even came back. It wasn't one of those games I was, I was kind of tuning into. Um, but yeah, listen, when things go bad, I mean, you know, <laughs> coaches sometimes lose their jobs, and and uh, in this situation here, it was maybe it was overdue. I, I, I mean, it was just you don't see any kind of light at the end of the tunnel. I think with you know this situation here in Buffalo. I mean, it's over and over again. It's, you know, they're getting pounded on. And, um, you know, you start, you start with the coach, you make the move, and you see where it goes from here. But you might as well write this year off. But, Eddie, you, you can look at, at some rosters and go, this is what I like. You know, we're trying to find this Canucks roster. Okay, at least they're going to compete hard. Uh, do you have a problem when you look at, at that Buffalo roster and go, man, it just – who's – Who's grabbing somebody by the scruff of the neck and saying, let's go, boys, let's shake ourselves out of it? I mean, it just seems to right. be, and it's easy to say when you've lost 12, but I just don't see that character in that lineup when I look at the roster. Right. You know, sometimes when, you know, things are kind of going sideways early, you, you almost want someone to kind of really, you know, grab someone and say, listen, you know, you got to pick up your game, kind of go around the room. But at the end of the day, it's up to each individual to, to get themselves going and, and it seems that, you know, that was lacking there in Buffalo. And um, was it the game against Washington the other day where – was it Oshie that scored? He went through their whole team? Yeah, I think you're right on the weekend. Like, like come on. Like, I, I saw that I saw that clip and I'm like, you know, like stick checks and, and guys just kind of getting out of the way and you're just not going to win games, you know, playing this way and – and kind of leave your goalie out to dry. And um, so a culmination of everything, right? I mean, 
guys, you're in this situation right now. Like, do guys even want to play? You're, you're a pro, right? So you got to come out there. And, but it's tough. It's tough sledding and going to the rink every day, especially in the situation that kind of we're in, you know, right now with the pandemic, you know, just kind of adds on top of it too. But, you know, you are NHL player, you're, you're handsomely paid and you got to go do your job. And, you know, the least you can do is, is go out there and work your tail off. You know, I mean, that, maybe that, you don't that... have the talent to, to win games, but you surely can work hard and, and show that effort. That's, I mean, that's that's the one the one thing where it just that's got to be so hard as a player though, Eddie, when you just feel like there's no end in sight. Like you went through, like you had some seasons like that in Florida. I mean, you probably had some of those here when you first landed here in Van, right? When you part of the you know the Burray trade when you get here. I mean, it wasn't like it was all roses and sunshine here when you first landed, right? No, it wasn't. It's tough, James. I mean, I mean, I think people think that. You know, you're you're playing in the NHL, and and you know that you have, you know, you have that life, and you know. But when you're losing, man, it it becomes a job. And they say, listen, if you love what you do, it's it's not really a job, you know. And, and the same in hockey. When you're winning games, I mean, it's it's enjoyable going to the rink. You don't think of anything else but but playing, you know. But when you can't string a, you know, you can't put a win on the board. You know, going going to the rink, and then you go to the game. Um, you get down a goal, and you go, "Oh boy, here we go again." So it just kind of snowballs into, and everybody starts sulking, putting their heads down. Guys turn negative. You know, guys are bickering at each other. So there's a whole bunch that goes into losing, and um, it's un- it's unfortunate, you know, because it's it's been a long time, you know, with with Buffalo. Uh, Joe Zanowski joins us as he does every Wednesday morning. Um, let's get to the local team. Seaball was telling me he told you to make sure you jump on the Canucks on Saturday against the Oilers. They survived that. Eddie, what's it like for the Canucks today to go to the rink when they were not the better team, didn't deserve the fate they got, but they left with two points with that overtime win? As a player, you said it's tough to go to the rink when it's spinning and you, you, you just can't get out of a funk. Well, the Canucks didn't play very well for 60 minutes, yet they got the two points. Are they rejuvenated tonight for a better performance against the Sens? Yeah, it doesn't matter how you get points, right, Perry? I, I think for, for the team that can take any win, you know, how they get it, they're, they're going to take it. And no matter how, how it gets done, whether you're at your, at your best, you know, teams are at their best and, and run into a hot goaltender or whatever special teams and find a way to lose the game. So um, not being at your best, grabbing two points got to make you feel, yeah, rejuvenated. Hey, listen, we, we, we played, you know, not very good and we found a way to get points. You know, let's let's come out today and, and make sure we take care of business early and sustain that throughout the whole game. But, yeah, surely at this point, two points are two points. You know, I don't know if we've talked about it enough. We, we certainly talked nonstop about your former teammate, Jacob Markstrom, uh, last season and even – you know, the impact he was having at the start of the year in Calgary. But, you know, for all the warts that, you know, we talk about with Jim Benning here, you know, the decision to ultimately walk away from Jacob Markstrom and what we're looking at now with the rise of Thatcher Demko here. Eddie, give me a sense of what that does in the room when you're looking at a guy who, you know, offered up a small sample size of what he could do in the playoffs last year. And you wonder, okay, is it sustainable and a bit of a slow start, but to see the zone that, Thatcher Demko's in right now. 
Just is it just total belief in a guy who's on a roll like that between the pipes? Like, what does that do for the team, big picture, with what this guy's done here over the last what six weeks now? Well, it, it, it makes everybody feel you know confident. You know, you have a goaltender, you know, that can get the job done. And yeah, you know, it didn't start that way, and everybody was, hey, listen, you know, you get rid of, you know, you let Marky walk. He put, uh, you know, Demko in this situation. Now he's kind of that number one guy. How does he do? Well, I, I think, you know, early on, you know, the team wasn't, you know, playing good. You find ways. You're giving up grade eight opportunities and you're losing games. And then you can look a point finger at your goaltender saying, you know, he, he's not ready or he's not good enough. Um, I think him settling in. I mean, obviously the guys won at every level. And, you know, I think getting into a rhythm, seeing the puck, feeling confident, and also knowing that kind of he's the guy, right? I, I think for goaltenders, yeah. when they get into that rhythm and they're going and they're playing well, uh, the coach has got his back and he's going to ride him like a horse. And I think for goaltenders, just getting into that rhythm and feeling confident is something that, you know, for him that feels good. And, and, and on the business side of things, I, I, we talked about this last week. I think the guys are there. The guys are going to play. I mean, it's really not them, you know, the players making decisions on who Jimmy's going to keep or he's going to move on, you know. So I think he puts guys in place and he feels that this is the, you know, the roster that we feel that can get it done. And guys just go out there and play. I mean, there's no use concerning yourself on who's your goaltender. I know Mark, he was a popular guy and he did a lot of great things for Vancouver. But, you know, he was uh, he was an opportunity to be a free agent, and he cashed in on a nice contract in Calgary. And, you know, Vancouver's got Demko, and he's he's the future of the team. Well, let's, let's put your GM hat on right now because it's been a topic of conversation all week long. We get close to the trade deadline. Who knows what the Canucks will do, but guys are available, one of them being Tanner Pearson. And Talk said, okay, do the Canucks want him here? He wants to stay in Vancouver, as every player says that in whatever respective city they are in. Eddie, you you watch a lot of hockey. Tanner Pearson, to me, has been a top six forward here, kind of by default because of what they had. Uh, How hard would you be trying to keep Tanner Pearson on this hockey team and signing him? It's it's tough. I mean, I I don't know exactly. You know what? I I, I do believe, Perry, you're right. He's, He's a top six forward. You know, he goes in that hard. He skates while he can shoot. You know, these guys are tough to replace. I, I just don't know where, you know, guys, you know, the team, what situation they're in coming at trade deadline. What can you get for a Tanner Pearson? Um, what's the contract going to look like, him staying there? So I think there's multiple factors that play into it. Do I, do I, think, do I agree with you? Yeah, he's a top six forward, and, you know, he's one of those guys that gets his nose dirty and can get in hard on the forecheck. These guys are tough to find. Thank you. Know, and, thank um, you. Like, but come on. Like, there is nowhere near a priority of trying. Like, it's it's ridiculous to even think about trying to re-sign him right now. Like, there are three right, other priorities. Yeah, there's three GM, other there's priorities, no right? Like, it's Demko, right now, you're right. it's Pedersen, it's Hughes, and you know, if there's any scraps and pennies left over, then maybe there's something. But how do you expect Tanner Pearson to take a two million dollar haircut? I mean, even with a flat cap, like, how do you expect? How do you well, say, he, hey, you he know won't. what? You've done a good job. He won't. Yeah, he won't. No. He'll he'll go to he'll go to free agency just like yes. everybody else does, and I'll I'll take my chances there. What's that look in free agency? 
who knows? I mean, but that's the risk that you know that players take that get to that level to see kind of what's out there. But I'm Tanner Pearson, and I'm saying, okay, we're going to lock you up at uh, you know three a year, you know times three years or whatever the number may be, and I know I can possibly get more on the open market. Then I'm going to wait. I mean, there's no rush Eddie, for you... the organization to sign him. But do you think Tanner Pearson's a top six forward on a really good hockey team? Like I don't. I think if Tanner Pearson's coming out with your third line, I'm really happy. You just but you just told him a top six in this in this. Oh, I team. said he's a top six forward because this team doesn't have the depth. On a good hockey team, right. he's not a on top Vancouver, six. So why do you reward him for that? Why reward I'm him? I'm not for rewarding that? him. I'm, but you I'm, are. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. I didn't say it. I said, does Jim Benning resign him? And I asked him, does Ed Jovanovski, the GM, look at him, resign him? I'm not resigning him. Unless he takes a haircut, and I don't think he will. Yeah, something about hometown, you know, the old discount in Vancouver that, you know, Vancouver tries to work. sell on. <laughs> you know that, exactly. right, Eddie? Yeah, yeah. listen, I, I, there, there's a shelf, and we, we can go on is forever on. There's a shelf for players, and you can see the way the game is going. I mean, if you play till you're 32, 33 now, it's, it's like, you, you don't see it. It's really a young man's game, and, and the exception are the, are the stars that kind of hang around, you know, a lot of it to loyalty and, and, and whatever the case may be, they still can play. But guys are interchanging so much now that, you know, you see these guys come in the league from, from the top line to the fourth line, guys can play. And they feel that if they can get the job done with a, with a guy making – couple million dollars less, then GM's going to let players walk. And I think I would act the same way. I mean, you take care of your core guys that you feel that, you know, your team's going to be built around. You keep them happy. And then you kind of, like you said, whatever's left over, you kind of dish around. Every team does it. It's the same thing everywhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin, the so. exit. Yeah. Are we, oh, yeah. I looked at the clock. Sorry. Sorry, James. <laughs> Go ahead. Bring it home. Uh, I was just going to ask you this. One quickly, your opinion. You mentioned that there's no loyalty. Bieksa thought on Monday, we said Alex Edler's done at $6 million. And he thought, you know what, Eddie might be one of those guys like the Sedins that says, actually, hometown discount, I would stay. Do you see that happen with a guy who's going to be 35, he's made his $55 million, that he would say, if I'm playing hockey, I'm doing it in Vancouver? Yeah, there's something to be said about kind of hanging around throughout your whole career without one organization. I mean, it's nice. You, you know, he's that. been there so long, right? What's the discount? You know, what's the discount? What's what's that number look like? Um, who knows? But I, can I see it happening? Yeah. I, I think he's that type of guy that, you know, loves Vancouver. Um, you know, started his career there, liked to finish it there. Not many players can say that. You know, and maybe he maybe he's getting chirped by Danny and Hank. Hey, listen, take a little less, stick around. It's pretty cool. You never know. You never know what the situation is, right? I, Did they ever I, I don't, chirp anybody? I don't see Daddy Alex and Hank Edler. Ever... I don't see Alex Edler being the type of guy to say, listen, I'm 35 years old. I'm going to go sign somewhere for two or three years and make a, make a million, million and a half more, but I got to uproot my family. I don't know what his family situation is. I'm sure at 35, he's probably got a couple kids. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's it's tough work. I mean, you got to these kids, the family, they're rooted in Vancouver. There's something to be said about that. 
You just know that Eddie got nervous when he heard about the Vancouver hometown discount conversation. Right? <laughs> Before you know it, the kids are going to Miami and they're not even telling you, right? Life moves fast, Eddie. The hometown, the, the hometown discount has is, is got to be something where you're, you're not really sweating it. When it's $10, $11 million, you got to go to Arizona. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, there you go. Or, 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 or Nevada or Florida. That's what it was. Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame player, I'm not going to mention his name, told me, listen, Joe, you always take the money, you always can be traded. Good economics. <laughs> I like it. Thanks, buddy. Right? Happy St. Patrick's right, Day. Take the money. Yeah, you too. Talk to you next week. <laughs> See you, Eddie. All right. There he is, Jovo Cop, Ed Jovanovsky, weighing in on uh, the Canucks' current situation uh, and Ralph Kruger out with the Buffalo Sabres as well. Man, if you're frustrated as a Canucks fan um, about how this rebuild has gone and even thinking, man, another two yeah. years, just keep in mind that the Sabres have been doing this since 2011. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2011 where they're at. Sonia Asim from News 1130 popping into the studio here. Morning, on boys. this Wednesday morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, t- hey, tell me this. I, 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 you know, I remember there was a story months ago about how London Drugs and Shoppers Drug Mart, they mm-hmm. were both kind of, hey, look, we have the capability, we have the infrastructure to yeah. vaccinate people and give the flu shots. And I think I think Shoppers said something like they had the capability of doing about 150,000 people across the country a day. Mm-hmm. But we're not doing that here in the province. Why? Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. Every other province is doing it yeah. but us. I know. It's so ridiculous. So, yes, we have It's like the, the ICBC of vaccinations, oh right? My gosh, we got, like, we have, it has to be government controlled, <laughs> right? Don't even start with ICBC. <laughs> um, those ads, by the way, do not work on me. The ones that are like, hey, we're going to save money. This is amazing. And you're like, it's a one-off. It's a one-off, but okay. Uh, No, so pharmacies in BC are not uh, rolling out COVID-19 vaccines, even though, yes, they say they're able to. So we took this to the health minister yesterday, um, local celebrity Adrian Dix, and he said, you know, we're working on it, but there's a lot of, you know, planning that has to go into it. Two of the vaccines have to be kept at ultra, ultra cold temperatures. We need to make sure that they have the capability to do that. We need to make sure they have the staff to handle it. How is it going to roll out? How do you make sure people go to the, you know, same location, get their second dose, yada, yada. There's all that kind of stuff. But the question we had is, why wasn't this figured out months ago? We knew a vaccine was in the works. We knew this was coming. Why didn't we think about oh, this? Yeah, oh, forgot. yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Oh, nuts. So the Pharmacy yeah, Association no, I... was like, hey, hi, we can do this. Um, they say that they're in talks every day with the province and they're closer to doing it. The B.C. government says it is in the plans. It will happen. Details to come. When those details come, unclear. But soon is the vague word we got. I'm just lost, Helen. I know every province treats it differently, but how there's not that communication. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Is it working? Excellent. I mean, it's always like we're the last to know. Like the elections are done before nationally before we get to BC because votes have been counted. Yeah. Like there's obviously good or bad in everything that's rolled out in the country. Figure it out and bring it to our province if it's something that's working. The, it's, it's the way I always think of it, and Seaball, you can speak to this. We're both from Ontario. It's That's the biggest province. It's the most populated province, I should say. If it's working there and they can handle numbers and population, then we can surely handle it. Like, if they can do it, Quebec can do it. Can't we do this? I don't, like, 
No one thought about this six months ago. Well, no, but the fact that like you've got two massive, uh, you know, drugstore companies that have that have the capabilities and have proven, yeah. right? Like shopper, like I got my flu shot at Shoppers, right? And this is not like a ringing endorsement for Shoppers Drug Mart, <laughs> even though they do they do consistently carry the Hawkins cheesies that I absolutely love. Oh. But but between London, like London Drugs has that infrastructure, right? The Shoppers, like, look, if we're trying to roll this out and we want to get people vaccinated yeah. as quick as possible, like strengthen numbers people like enough of the 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 government red tape bureaucratic crap right like enough of the 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 whole icbc mandate sort of language evolves a family but it, like, show. Oh, no but yeah. honestly right yeah. like, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of things that the province have done right to allow things to kind of maintain like i was talking to a good friend of mine in ontario last night like they they don't have restaurants to go to mm-hmm. like they don't have they're, mm-hmm. they're like things have been shut down out east right and like we've had it pretty good comparatively to a lot of other parts of the world but at the same time like man like take advantage of the private sector here right like you've got you've got companies that are motivated that are willing to step up and have the infrastructure let's use it aslam let's do it well and that's well, what they're saying there's just so much red tape though guys i mean i i think it's easy to say that james but you know everything that you have to get to to get to that point no but enough uh, of this right like there's a certain point where you kind of have to look in the mirror and say guys like you know, like look at how long it took to finally get uber out here right like it's just like ride <laughs> yeah. sharing and these little things like it's just but that's because there's a tax lobby that controls the government we've heard those rumors mm-hmm. it's there's there, yeah. there, there's there's always some reason i think for this this is a little bit different this is uh, a, a worldwide pandemic that has crippled everything so yes let's quickly get this done and ensure that everyone gets their second dose and figure out a system to do it it is planning it feels like um and that's what we're also hearing from 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 the pharmacy association is if we can handle flu shots we can handle a vaccine dose we do this all the time we know the system we know how to do it we know how to do it effectively put us in coach like we can do this open it up to pharmacies across the province and we will be able to handle the onslaught of people and what we can do is you know like bc right now is doing 83 plus 82 plus for booking a vaccine appointment most other provinces are at 65 plus we're a good 20 years behind in rolling it out compared to a lot of other places like very behind it will get there uh, everyone should be patient it will happen but it just there's more and more discrepancies as each passing day goes as to what everyone else is doing and where are we what is happening here it is frustrating though i get it thanks aslam you got thanks. us all riled up <laughs> hey you're welcome <laughs> take care Later, there she is thanks boys sonia aslam from news 11:30 with the latest uh, going on in the world this morning hey golfers great Hey, look, let me just tell you this. that time of year, my friend. It is that time of the year. You got your, you got your membership already renewed there or what? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm wavering on it. We've got COVID issues. You can't play as much as a single, but I will be up at Westwood Plateau. I, listen, I'm working on a deal, as they say. I'm working on a deal. <laughs> Mover and shaker. You sound like Moj now. Uh, hey, listen, get great Vancouver golf for less. Go to discountgolfcard.ca for all the details and order your Vancouver discount golf card today. It's discountgolfcard.ca for all the details. Uh, Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner, is going to join us in a couple of minutes. And Spare or Foul is next. Get your submissions in. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll share ours. What's fair? What's foul? We'll do it next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. You have to excuse me. I'm not in my best. I've been gone 
Ladies and gentlemen, what you're seeing is a total disregard for the things St. Patrick's Day stands for. All this drinking, violence, destruction of property. Are these the things we think of when we think of the Irish? Oh, it's been St. Patrick's Day for hours and I'm still not drunk yet. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. What's going on? 7.33 here on this Wednesday morning. It is game day as the Canucks and the Senators renew a St. Patrick's Day classic rivalry. Or not. Why not, man? Four o'clock puck drop. If you can get into a bar, have a little beer, enjoy your St. Patty's, and go with it. That is completely fair as we get set to play a little fair foul. Okay. Uh, why don't we? Uh, why don't we do just that? Let's bring in Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass into the fold here on this Wednesday morning. And uh, here we go, guys. Fair or foul? Tanner Pearson will not be a Vancouver Canuck next year. That's fair. Um, listen, I, I just said with Eddie Jovanovski, I think Tanner Pearson's not a bad guy to have on your bottom six, but he's not going to be making bottom six money. Uh, let him go elsewhere. I'm very curious to see what club is out there that is enticed to pay him the dollars he may think. To me, Tanner Pearson's not a not a three million dollar guy. He's on three seven five right now. That's because you want a Stanley Cup. Um, you haven't done a whole lot for me to say I'm paying you that kind of money. That's yeah, that's fair. fair. I think that's uh, that's a good su- summary by uh, Perry there. I don't think he's a guy you necessarily want to get rid of, but. I think it's just the timing of everything. He's going to test the market. I don't think he'll be back either. Well, and this is what kind of made the whole conversation when Jim Benning brought it up. I mean, this is uh, this is Jim kind of stepping in it, if you will, right? Where he you do bring that. up, that, well, we're looking, you know, whether it's posturing or not, but to sit there and suggest, well, you know, we're going to look at re-signing him. Like, what's a fair not Like, first off, what's a manageable cap hit? And then what's fair to say to a guy who's coming off, what, a 20-goal season last year? Obviously, the numbers aren't going to be there this year, but – um, you know, guy who's been, but a guy who's been a good soldier. Hey, we'd like for you to take a fifty percent. You know, we'd like to shave half your salary to stick around. You know, I'm taking the open market. They'll say that's foul, guys. Fair or foul. Patty Wah, greater than Patty Kane. Fair. <laughs> I feel like you're testing me, Perry. Well, Balak, I think you're hesitating, <laughs> Mister Goalie. You no. love your Patrick Kane. But Patty Waugh, Patty Kane, what do you think? I grew up a Patrick Waugh fan. I can't go against my guy. He was the reason, you know, he was Montreal Canadiens are my dad's team. My dad was a goalie, and I became a goalie and kind of naturally became a Montreal Canadiens Patrick Waugh fan. So Patrick Waugh I, I can't go against greatest, that. Yeah, Patrick Waugh is the second greatest goaltender in the history of the game, right? I don't know, yeah. if, Patrick, I don't know if Patrick Kane's in the conversation of being mm-hmm. the one of the 10 greatest players in the history of hockey. And, and Wah changed the position. I don't know if Patrick Kane necessarily was a pioneer in that regard. No, Dominic Kashuk, by Kane the way, is number one for me. As goalies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That's the one correct opinion you've had, James. Good job. Oh! <laughs> you agree with me on that one there, Ballack? Statistically, I've written articles about it. Yeah, Hashik is, is number uh, one all time. By, by quite a did. margin as well. Cup crazy 2000. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? I'll tell you what. You want to find something to fix the Buffalo Sabres? You know what? Put Dominic Hasek back in Buffalo. There you go. Yeah. What do you got, Balak? Fair foul. The Anaheim Ducks were the best-looking team in the NHL last night, if you didn't see the score. They wore those amazing <laughs> reverse retros and then promptly surrendered five straight goals to the Avalanche. 
Yeah, fair. I, listen, yeah, I think that's fair. I love what Dallas has. I'm big on the retro jerseys. That's been the only good thing going on at Buffalo this year, too. I'm all into the different look. You know, it's funny. I, I, I didn't think much of it at the time. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of these uh, retro reverse or reverse retros have, have been a miss for me. Um, but the Ducks one, you know, it's funny. Just kind of looking at some – It's I was looking at a picture of Ryan Getzlaff from his rookie season the other day, and you kind of go back to those, those Ducks logos, and you're going, man, how did they not keep those? The Ducks jersey currently, the, the main one is probably the worst – main jersey in the You just kind of ruined it, man. You're a duck, and you're trying to go, like, you know, just keep it what it is, man. Just keep it what it was. They're and trying to go for the it. Orange County thing. They got the orange in there now. Yeah, it just doesn't work for me. I don't know. No, you know what? It's it's kind of a whiff. Like, when you kind of reinvent your colors, like, pick an identity, right? It's kind of like the Canucks have kind of struggled with their 50 years of, of identity, right? It's like the They colors. had an identity in Anaheim, though. The Mighty Ducks. That was yes, their identity. And, and they punted it, right? Once, di- once, they, once Disney sold. Uh, guys, Doug and Port Moody, fair or foul? Green beer tastes a lot better than regular beer. <laughs> yeah, it's foul, isn't it? Depends how many uh, green beers you've had, I guess. Well, I you think know what? I'll of... say fair what? because I'm in the spirit for green beer on St. Patrick's Day, so I'll say fair on this one. I think there's a lot of people in, in, in Texas at 650-650. I think there's a lot of craft beer companies and, and small craft beer places that won't even touch putting any dye into it because you know the craft that they have and what they've created i'm gonna uh i'm gonna say that's foul doug but hey if green beer is your thing enjoy it today man you're not drinking you know what you're, you're not you're not drinking green beer at a craft brewery right like that's no you're going to you're going to a pub you know you're going to a pub for just traditional cheap house tap beer and have some fun right that's okay yeah but you're festive in that. You want to have some fun. It's like green, pa- like we make green pancakes for the kids on St. Patrick's Day, right? Or you do green eggs. Put some food coloring in that. Yeah, don't be a hater, man. Out of the ham too. You're gonna have green eggs. Uh, all right, fair foul. Gonzaga will not have a perfect season once the tournament begins. It's, it's fair, right? It's just so tough, right? So tough to go through this run. Uh, by the way, Robert Sacker joining us at seven o'clock. Gonzaga eight, alone. Eight o'clock. That's fair. Eight o'clock, eight sorry. It's definitely fair. It's, it's, it's March Madness. Anything can happen. Not happening. Uh, I'm running with Michigan. I'm running with Michigan in my bracket. Fair or foul from John O. Tyler Mott is part of the bottom six rebuild. I think he is. I think he's the key part, if you ask me. He returns to the lineup tonight. He's the key part of that bottom six rebuild. Who do you look at at the bottom six and go, that guy's here for a long time in the next two or three years? I would say Tyler Mott's that guy. I'm a Tyler Mod fan, but he's not untouchable. He's not untouchable, man. Everybody has a price, as the Million Dollar Man once said, and if the price is right for Tyler Mott, I'm selling. No, I say it's fair. I think it's he's definitely someone you want to keep around for that bottom six rebuild, but I don't know, like like you alluded to, James, if he's going to be. Well, I, and I don't know if anybody on the bottom six gets the title of he's untouchable, right? You're on no. the bottom six for a reason. But I do think when you're looking for a bottom six guy, you're kind of looking at the exact mold that Tyler Mott brings. So I, I, I think that's fair. So, so, so fair with an asterisk. <laughs> no, it's, it's fair. He's, he's part of the bottom six. It's fair or foul, you guys. Not fair with an asterisk or foul with an asterisk. Who said it? Who had an asterisk? I said it's fair. He's your guy. Fair foul, Matt uh, saying Buffalo newspaper ranking the Sabres the 32nd team in a 31-team league. 
That's fair. That was right on, considering what's happened today. Below the Kraken. It, it is crazy. Um, yeah, no, it, it's totally fair. You lose 12 straight games. Uh, you know, if, and here's the other thing. Uh, would you not put Seattle even higher up, like, legitimately... Given given the flexibility, they might have a clean sheet, but man, there is there is some value to having a clean sheet for payroll right now. Like think about what they'll be able to do with a flat cap and a down market. Like they'll be able to to sign some pretty good free agents. Like look what we've seen in the NFL, right? You know, the Patriots have gone out and spent like drunken sailors here this week. But man, they've got some value with some players as well because of the cap being down this year in the NFL. I think the Seattle Kraken could stand to really benefit by having a ton of cap flexibility this offseason. Oh, for sure they will. Balak, let me ask you this, because I was going to bring it up with the fair foul. Holpe might have some play in Seattle if he lights it up. Who would you pick to, to be their starting goal in next year? I mean, you don't know who's available yeah, I was when you say, look at backups. You really have to know who's on the market, because if there's a good young goaltender... But they also have to reach the cap floor. So taking a goaltender with a gaudy contract isn't out of the question. So there's a couple different routes they could go. Fair foul. Canucks have only three untouchables. Fair. Right now, fair. Myers. <laughs> ben. Uh, Erickson. Yeah, Myers, Erickson. Um, I, I guess that's fair. Yeah, I, I would say so. What do we consider? The third is, is Bo or Demko. 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 Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah. Now he is. Yeah. Ah. You're, not, you're, not letting another, you're not letting another goalie walk, are you? <laughs> Unless it's Holtby. Hey, guys. I got a fair foul here. Mm. I'm going baseball. You know, spring training, full swing. Yeah. It's a little bit of fantasy advice for you out there. If you're going to have a MLB fantasy draft soon, this is the year Shohei Otani breaks out at the plate. He was dismal last year for the Ooh. Angels, but now he's healthy. Yeah. He's turning 27, and he's raking at spring training, you guys. He hit two home runs the other day. I think this is the year that he finally lives up to the expectation. I'm going to go fair on this one, man. Like yeah. I believe I believe the hype and what I saw, at least on the mound, what we saw. And, um, you know, in the small sample size, his rookie season, I, he can mash. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, his numbers his rookie seasons were really good, Ballard, mm -hmm. weren't they, for a couple of months? They were pretty good, but he's been injury-riddled, yeah. and yeah. – but. We know his dominance on the mound. I think this is the year that the plate, uh, really, his bat is going to stick out big time. Okay, 7.43. It is game day. Your Canucks commute coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll also talk to Robert Sacre as well and uh, look ahead to March Madness. Uh, Robert, now the uh, assistant general manager with the Fraser Valley Bandits uh, here out in Abbotsford. Uh, yes, fair foul. Seaball cried when Dalton's signing was announced in Chicago. Uh, I didn't cry. I swore. I cussed. Like, in a lot of foul language uh, on a walk with the dog yesterday. All right, Ken Priestley, Stanley Cup winner, drops by for a little hockey talk next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. It's time for Mr. Fix-It. Brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. 749, two-time Stanley Cup champion Ken Priestley joins us this morning here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650, or should I say former Buffalo Sabre great Ken Priestley here. We don't want to say that right now, do we? You're not you're not admitting that you played for the Sabres anymore? <laughs> no, you know what? They got a they got a soft spot in my heart. They drafted me, so yes, I'll I'll say that. What do you make of what's going on there though? Ah, uh, that's tough. That that it's a tough thing to watch. 
It really is. I mean, they, at the beginning of the year, I actually thought with some of the signings and, and even a couple of years ago when they had some of these free agent signings, I thought they were going to turn a corner. But for some reason, it just, it just has, has just fallen apart. And uh, you got to say that uh, whoever was signing these people and whoever was signing these players, they look good in other uniforms, but uh, as soon as they came to Buffalo, it didn't uh, it didn't work out that way. So maybe it was character. Maybe the room and maybe the room isn't right. Maybe it's all the same people, and uh, you know someone's someone's got to take control of a room, and maybe they just don't have a leader. I, I have no idea, but it's uh, it's not fun to watch. Well, and Ken, someone texted you and get the NHL out of Buffalo. Uh, there is no doubt this is ownership. This is the organization. Buffalo is a good hockey town, isn't it? Buffalo's a great hockey town. It really is. I mean, the, the I played in the odd, so I didn't play in uh, in the new rink there. Um, the The feeling in the in in Buffalo Auditorium was was you had home home ice for sure. It was it was much like Boston Garden. They were very tight. It was crowded, right? Like it was it a was tight crowded. building. We yes, very tight building. Everybody, everything was on top of you. You walked out of the out of the fans basically from one end onto the ice like it was just it was a very very cool feeling uh, again it was an old building but it was loud and uh you know we i played there in some in some years that we were we were very good that's hard to say but we were very good and and we just didn't have any luck uh and and uh we we just ended up hitting montreal or boston in the first round and they were always long series but we just never could get out of it and I think it affected the group, that group in that two or three years, four years, I think it was. Um, but no, that that ho- it's a great hockey town. They they want their Sabers to 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 be good. They want to support the Sabers. Um, it's yeah, I enjoyed my years there. I mean, I spent I think uh, probably half and half, half in the minors, half in Buffalo there, um, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was it was a, it was a great place to play. I thought. Uh, Ken Priestley here on Sportsnet 650. We were talking to Elliot Friedman a couple of hours ago uh, when this news first broke with uh, Ralph Kruger being fired in Buffalo and just the possible pieces that could be available and what you know other GMs might be intrigued by. Uh, Elliot mentioned Sam Reinhart. You know, you and I have talked privately about you know Sam Reinhart. You're, you're a Sam Reinhart guy, aren't you? Yeah, I like I like the way Sam plays for sure. I think he's a, a great addition to any any team at uh, top six, bottom six. I mean, it's uh, you don't get a, a player like that, and and I think people don't get to see him as much. Obviously, with Buffalo, you don't see them on TV very much. Uh, I I think I can count on one hand how many times the Sabers have been on television, but uh, I think he would be a huge acquisition to somebody who is missing someone down the middle uh that could lead by example and i think that um get out of the shadow of uh of jack eichel there and uh you get a you get a a really good player are are there some players sam would be one that you know ed jovanoski had mentioned like quietly they're just going to get me out of here when it's a when it's a scenario i think in buffalo I think in Buffalo right now, I mean, Jova was right. I mean, you're a professional. You get paid handsomely. You get, uh, you're supposed to show up every day and, and, and give it your all. But there is, you're human. And uh, 
the drag that that team seems to be having on it right now, like the weight on everybody's shoulders. I, I watched uh, a couple of highlights, and I, I can't remember um, who it was that uh, that went through the team, and it wasn't the end. It wasn't the Oshi goal that Jogo was talking about, but it seemed like they got beat and they slammed their sticks on the ice and, you know, they were looking over their shoulder, like, how come you didn't have this guy? How come you didn't have that guy? And and you can tell there's a disconnect, right? And whether or not it came from the coaches down, uh, that they didn't have some sort of system or some sort of guidance, um, it's, it's unfixable there at the moment with the group that they have. And uh, unfortunately, I think they have to, kind of blow it up and then uh and then start from scratch and and they have some talent i mean they they really do have some talent and uh they just got to figure out who wants to be in buffalo and who doesn't want to be in buffalo and whoever doesn't want to be in buffalo's got to go there's no use in staying yeah uh nobody wants to be in buffalo right now ken Come yeah, on, that's the you know answer. what though you, you know it is the answer is nobody wants to be in buffalo right now yeah but um i'm gonna prove but, my point i'm gonna prove my point right now that nobody wants to be in buffalo okay you ready yep. for this? When's Dunbar Lumber opening up uh, a store in Buffalo? <laughs> as soon as the borders open up. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Ah. I see what you did there. Thanks, Priestley. Talk to you later on, buddy. No problem. Hey, Take care, guys. <laughs> there he is, Ken Priestley, uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Dunbar Lumber. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, or Buter Street in Vancouver, or check him out online at DunbarLumber.com. It is five minutes to eight o'clock. Your Canucks commute coming up uh, in just a matter of moments as the Canucks will try to make it uh, five for five against the Ottawa Senators, plus Robert Sacre, former Gonzaga Bulldog, North Shore product. Look ahead to March Madness as well. It's all happening next here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. I mean, obviously the guys won at every level. And, you know, I think getting into a rhythm, seeing the puck, feeling confident. And also knowing that kind of he's the guy, right? I, I think for goaltenders, when they get into that rhythm and they're going and they're playing well, uh, the coach has got his back and he's going to ride him like a horse. And I think for goaltenders, just getting into that rhythm and feeling confident is something that, you know, for him that feels good and he's the future of the team. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. All right, it is game day, two minutes after 8 o'clock. It's your Canucks Commute here on Sportsnet 650 as the Canucks uh, will try to make it three straight wins uh, when they take on the Senators later on this afternoon, 2 o'clock pregame, uh, 4 o'clock puck drop with Corey Hirsch and Brendan Batchelor here on this St. Patrick's Day edition of the starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. In this hour, presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. And uh, it could be a nice welcome to the lineup tonight here, Pair, uh, for a team that's been undermanned and still finding ways to win, having taken six of the last eight games. A key ingredient on that bottom six in the form of Tyler Mott could be back tonight. Well, he practiced yesterday. The Canucks won't skate this morning, but he practiced on the third line yesterday. I mean, most indications are if you're practicing on a line like that before the you know day out, you're likely back in that lineup. That high ankle sprain took a long time. And he, to me, is the best they have as far as bottom six is concerned. And even Travis Green speaking yesterday about the fact, hey, he didn't want to give it away, but here's what he thinks Tyler Mott brings to his team. That brings a lot to our team. Um, that goes unnoticed. He's, he's got a lot of energy in his game. He, his pace is high. 
Um, which certain nights I think we need that. I thought last night was one of them. I thought we we lacked some speed last night. I, I, I didn't think we skated that well. And uh, you know he's a good penalty killer. He's got a good touch with the puck. He was off to a good start this year, and uh, we definitely miss him. So it'll be good to get him back. You get him back, James. I mean, the one thing you always say about Tyler Mott, I mean, there's some jump there. You know, you, he jumps over the boards, and there's some jump to his game, and you see that speed. And sometimes you need someone to ignite it. He had some good hands, five goals in the 15 games. I think he's a big piece while this team is just looking for something fresh to get them through without Petey. Uh, they've got it on the back end with Demko. But Tyler Mott showing up tonight, I think, is a big, big difference maker for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, watching watching Tyler Mott um, when things got underway, when you had your little mini camp here, Pear, he he just seemed to have a different side of aggression, right? Remember he dropped the gloves with Adam Gaudet with the whole mm-hmm. slew foot, and it was like, what the hell are you thinking to, to, to go down that route? And then in the first week, Tyler Mott took multiple penalties, right? And, and many of those wound up resulting in goals for the opposition against the Vancouver Canucks. And somewhere along the way, Tyler Mott settled down and just started producing, and not just being a guy who's probably their fastest bottom six player uh, with the energy and the tenacity that he brings, and he does that on the penalty kill as well, but he also found the back of the net with five goals in the first 15 games of the season before going down. Look, I'm a Tyler Mott fan. Like, I really am, I, and, I, and I think he's a guy that you could certainly grow with going forward with this team for what he can do with the bottom six. But he's not an untouchable for me, right? Like, if, if the price is right, and Sat Shaw and Elliot Friedman talked about this on the program yesterday about – I think Sat kind of used the idea of, of Tyler Mott possibly being a, a sort of a Blake Coleman sort of comparable for a contender or a team looking to try to go all in for a cup this year. And could Tyler Mott bring that sort of value? I think Coleman had more offensive upside and way more offensive upside than what Tyler Mott can bring. But, man, you know, Tyler Mott could help a team down the stretch here. I guess it's just what a team is willing to pay you look at the financial flexibility that you also have with Tyler Mott that, you know, he's not getting rich this year. Um, you know, if he continues to you know produce the way he's going, he's going to get a raise in two seasons from now, but he's not an untouchable. Do I think he's the best bottom six player on this team? Absolutely. Do I think he's untouchable? No. And I think there's an asset that you could listen to and see what you could possibly get on the market as we uh, are what now less, uh, what, about three weeks away from the NHL trade deadline. You know, there's just a. I know a lot of people want to get rid of Sutter, want to get rid of Pearson, and now if Mott is untouchable, but Mott's contract's the one that works, and you can't get rid of those role players and go, okay, are we plugging everybody new in there? That's why I, I would want to stay to Tyler Mott, but I do think he probably garners the most phone calls for Jim Benning because he can be that effective guy that can change games for you with the shift. So and the price else. tag, but but the price well, tag too, sure. right? Like like look, Sutter I think has value for a team that that wants something in the middle, and it's not just you know I think Sutter brings some value there, pair, but. But I think with when you're making a little over about a million bucks a season, like there's, you know, for a team looking at that, like you're buying a guy who can be an effective everyday player and also at a beautiful cap hit, right? Well, but that's what Jim Benning's got to look at and go, okay, I've got a guy at the perfect number. Why would I be moving him? Because I may not be able to find a player like that. I might be paying three or four hundred thousand dollars more. So you've got him, you've signed him, keep advantage of it. Hey, no one's untouchable except for a couple guys, but I would say Tyler Mott is the fit. And there's one other thing about tonight. People texting and going, ah, this is not a playoff team. No, I'm not betting money this is a playoff team. And I have said, enjoy the games in March. Just don't look at the standings. 
But James, I'll tell you what, if results go the way that they may tonight and, and, you know, Winnipeg's up against Montreal, if the Habs win, if, if Calgary knocks off Edmonton, you know, the Vancouver Canucks, yes, with so many games in hand for other teams, they'd only be four points out of second place in the North Division. I mean, I don't think it's fair to look, but they're winning hockey games and slowly they're creeping back into a conversation. And if you're four points out and you've got two against Montreal, uh, this could be a different take by Sunday morning. The team would be in that conversation for a while. A lot of things have to happen. They they continue to linger. They, now, they didn't get any help in the standings the other night, but nope. you look once you kind of get past the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, the division has become more compressed. But I will say this, Pear. Are, are, are you thinking playoffs? And if you are thinking playoffs here with this sort of thought, are you thinking that maybe the Canucks should stand pat at the deadline? Well, and I think that, you know, Jim Benning, when he was on you're the crazy, radio you're crazy if you're going to no, entertain that thought, right? Okay, there's like, a you're, lot you're hesitating that, here. No, I, there's a lot of people in Jim Benning when buyers, sellers, well, we're still like, you know, we got 16 games left before the, before the trading deadline, and all of a sudden they're winning their game. I wouldn't, but I, I can't speak for the GM who if he sees them reel off another four games in a row and they go to that break, is he looking and go, we, we, we've got it? And you say they didn't make any better ground Monday, but the fact is Winnipeg doesn't pull farther ahead. So you're within four points of the Jets if it plays out. I, I wouldn't. I'm not the GM. The GM has done some stuff with this hockey team where I go, really? Really? You're paying that for this guy? So I'm not doing it, but the GM, you never know how he looks at it. Look, there was a time that this team, I think they wanted to be harder to play against, and so they went out and they brought in Beagle, they brought in Roussel, and how do you attract uh, veteran players to come to a team that's been one of the worst in hockey for you know a half decade? You overpay, right? Yep. Unfortunately, you just happen to be overpaying a lot of guys at the same time, and now you've kind of put yourself in this situation. Look, there's some financial flexibility that is on the way, but I think we just need to collectively squash the conversation about Tanner Pearson's future here in, with the Vancouver Canucks unless he's unless he's willing to take something for $2 million, um, which feels like a slap in the face, right? I mean, how would you even have that conversation to say, hey, you know what, Tanner, um, you know, you've been a real valuable piece for this team, probably miscast in, in, in a big picture, but, you know, you've shown up, you've played hard, you know, and, and you look at the way that, tra- you know, Travis Green has utilized Tra- uh, Tanner Pearson over the last couple of years. Like, he trusts him to play big minutes in big situations. But to say suddenly, yeah, you know what, we'd like for you to take a, a 50% haircut. That's not happening, man. And that's just an insulting conversation. This goes back to what Kevin Bieksa talked to us about on Monday with Alex Edler's future, right? You know, you're not asking, you know, you're not asking Alex Edler to come back for a million bucks, right? And probably two million bucks might be a kick in the A double crooked letter as well, pair. Like you have to also have, you know, a fair approach to a negotiation to say, okay, like you know, we're gonna talk to him. Well, what are you talking about? Because there's no way in hell that Tanner Pearson is coming back for the same cap value for next season. It makes zero sense. Not when you gotta pay Petey. Not when you gotta pay Quinn Hughes. Not when you gotta pay Thatcher Demko, whose stock is climbing. And that's the one guy I'm looking at. You know, you try to get some term with this guy now. Because the price is only going to continue to go up with Thatcher Demko. You can only say so much as a GM on the public airwaves, right? The Tanner Pearson camp knows and feels what he is worth. The Canucks understand his value and his market value. And they look at the numbers and go, we've got some other people to worry about before we get to Tanner Pearson. And I don't think the numbers will jibe. 
So I think Jim Benning has to say something like that because when this team is floundering, they're looking around going, you haven't signed our coach. There's a lot of people wondering where is this team and who's attached to it right now except for a couple of guys. So I don't think he can look too much in. But the, the bottom line is if you start looking at the numbers where the salary cap is going, Tanner Pearson, even with no raise, a 10% raise, it still doesn't fit with where the Canucks have to spend their money. All right, uh, 11 minutes after uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, it is your Canucks commute here on Sportsnet 650. 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always love to hear uh, the opinions, the thoughts, where your head's at as the uh, Canucks try to uh, sweep uh, the Senators in Ottawa. Uh, meantime, for a lot of you, you are probably scrambling to get your bracket filled out in time for tip-off tomorrow as March Madness gets underway. And joining us is a man who has played in the big dance he is the assistant general manager of the Fraser Valley Bandits, also a proud Gonzaga Bulldog, and dare I say the greatest basketball talent to ever come from the North Shore, Mr. Robert Sacre. Robert, good morning, sir. Well, that was uh, that was a great entrance. I like that intro. I was going to say, like, I want five <laughs> bucks for pumping your tires like that, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I appreciate that. You can go anywhere with me. Well, I feel like, man, you you like you were a former Laker, right? So, I mean, you're kind of used to some glitz and glamour, so I figure we got to do it right when you're coming on the show in the morning at this time. You said it, I didn't. You said <laughs> it, I didn't. <laughs> Robert, tell me what it's like. We get into it, of course, here in Vancouver. Oh, it's playoff hockey. It's so different. What are the Bulldogs thinking right now as they get set for the dance to start, let alone the fact they are chasing perfection? I think, really, honestly, the Bulldogs are just focused on themselves, as they should be. Gonzaga is really, uh, our biggest enemy is ourselves. And I don't really think there's any other team that can compete with us. Um, there are some, There is obviously a lot of talent in the tournament. But the way Gonzaga has showed how they've handled adversity, it's incredible. Um, and I think, I think they... It's final four and finals and championship this year. That's how I look at it. Oh, so you're not worried about like when Oklahoma beats Missouri in round one, and then Gonzaga has to deal with the Sooners, and then the Boomer Sooner music that pumps that bop 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 bop. You're not worried about any of that right now. You know what? All I worry about is one day at a time, and that's all we can focus on. And Let's just get through Appalachian State or whoever that other team is, and we'll go from there. Who makes you nervous then? I'm n- nothing really makes. Come me on, nervous, there's got to be honest. somebody you look at on the bracket and go, uh, you know, okay. I would say Baylor and there Illinois. Baylor and Illinois. Is Illinois is a good. Yeah, Illinois is a good squad. I like their. I like how they they move the ball and uh, just all around team talent. How much do nerves come into play? Did they come into play for you when it came time for the dance? You know what? If I wasn't nervous, then I wasn't ready. You know, obviously I prepared. I've done everything I needed to do to get to me to get to where I was at. Um, but I feel like um, it's not a nervousness of like I'm not prepared. It's a nervousness of all right. Let's just get this ball tipped and let's get it going, man. Let's. Let's get to the let's get to where the clock is running and let's play, and I think that's the anticipation of playing is uh, that's the nerve wracking part is you you know you don't you envision and you kind of manifest how you want the game to be but at the same time you just 
you just you just can't wait for that game to get started. It just takes forever. I feel the game clock doesn't start until like it's just you're just building up all this momentum. Robert Sacre with us here on Sportsnet 650. You know, you touched on something that I think it's really important because I think every young athlete goes through it, and I think there's probably a lot of coaches for youth sports that are listening here as well. Robert, how do you take that nervous energy and turn it into a positive? Because whether it was whether it's a public speaking event that I had to do as a kid or you had a big game, you know, you, you get that knot in your stomach. And, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, boy, I got to run to the washroom here. But, you know, you kind of look at it and, and – Exactly like you said, I understand it now where I say, you know what, that means I'm dialed in. That means I'm focused and I know that there's something i got to be ready for. But not every young person understands that at the time. How do you turn that nervous energy and make it a positive once the, once the whistle blows or the, the puck drops or the ball's tipped off for the, for the tournament? How do you take that energy and turn it into a positive? Uh, just working hard. I think it's all about preparation. Um. Uh, preparation is what divides us to separation, you know, it separates us from all the other people, right? So you just have to prepare yourself through all of those games and all those practices. You prepare and practice and get all your reps up to win that game or that moment or, you know, that speech you have to do. Whatever it is, you've prepared so much for it that, yeah, you know you have nerves, but you prepared and you're ready to go. You know, and uh, you've you've you know in the back of your mind you've put up the reps that that it takes to be successful, and that this is just another it's just another game, and you've put in the work. You know, you you, you had such a career, and, and you know I did a story on you as everybody in Vancouver media would have when you were in high school. You see, Robert, there's some people that go, "Here's what I would have told myself." I think when you're in it and you look back and go, wow, you had a successful run in the NBA and then over in Japan, what would you have told your, your great 10 self? Because when you're in it and you talk about hard work, I don't, you know, it's just your job. It becomes a business. Do you look back in high school and go, man, I was, I was naive or I was focused to get to and, and achieve what you did? Uh, I was focused on getting where I wanted to go. Um, and I, I, but I also think, you know, I really built my, my work ethic throughout college, but at the same time, I, I knew where I wanted to go and I knew what I had to do to get to where I wanted to go. So, um, it's all about working hard in my eyes and the harder, the harder you work, uh, success will fall in its place. You know, I couldn't help but notice um, when you mentioned the other potential teams that might, might make you a little nervous. You touch on Illinois. You touched on Baylor. But I noticed that you gave no love to my guy, Jawan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines. Like, the disrespect. Come on. What's going on? The disrespect to Jawan here. Come on. What's up, Robert? You know what? I'm not too worried, man. I'm that yeah. He didn't win one with the Fab Five, and he won't win one right now. <laughs> oh, you're going there, are you? Ray Jackson well, online too, man. Saying, he's coming man. after you. Hey, I, <laughs> I I give a lot of credit to John Howard what he's done to that program, and um, you know it's really cool to see that. But you know I'm a zag. I can't I can't, I can't turn on my guys. <laughs> 
No, you. That's the beauty of the alumni of it. Is there a team as a member of the Bulldog as a Zag that you just go, no, never will I have respect for them. It's my guys against them, and it will be. And I'll teach my kids not to like that school. Is there a school that you have that you just shake Saint your head Mary's. all the time? Saint Mary's. Saint Mary's. Why? I just I hate that school. I don't care. <laughs> I just, I really hate that school with a passion. There's no need to have a school in the middle of a hill. I, I could go on. I, I don't need to get ranted. It's early, guys. I don't need, I'm trying to go into a good meditative morning. <laughs> I don't need to get all fired up. You're getting me revved up, boys. That was the, that was the, that was the plant. And, and listen, I appreciate you kind of talking the tournament because, you know, so many of us will sit here and try to crunch our brackets here in the next 24 hours before tip off and what, uh, nine o'clock tomorrow morning on the first game go, goes, Robert, I got to ask you a favor though, man, you spent some time with the Lakers and obviously there's been a lot of love and taken from us way too soon with Kobe Bryant last year. Can you tell us a good Kobe story? I mean, you got to you got to travel with that guy. You got to roll with him, the intensity. But, like, that guy was – he hit his personality as a player, but he started to show it in his retirement. Tell us a good Kobe story, could you? A good Kobe story that I can think of that I can say on air. Um, <laughs> the one that you can't is probably even better, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, man. You know, I'm, I'm so blessed to say that I was able to be in his aura and just, you know, be able to talk and, like, just pick his brain about a lot of things. I'll just tell a simple story. So after games, if it was a good game, I'd go get a six-pack beer from the managers. And, uh, and he knew I would always get a little six-pack beer. And so when you get on the bus, first thing you would be like, Seth, got a beer? I got you, baby. And I throw him a beer, and he would, you know, we'd just crack a beer on the bus after games. So Kobe was a beer guy. He liked beer, too. He liked his beer, man. I worked hard for it. Hey, you're coming back. You're helping out, you know, what, what basketball CBC has given you with the Fraser Valley Bandits. As you said, as a proud Canadian, do you look at, you know, the Olympics are coming up. You look at the Jamal Murrays and what we have. What is your take on how our nation has changed and developed players over the last 10 years and the stars they've become in the NBA? It's it's incredible. It's really incredible. I think it all started with Steve. You know, Steve Nash gave everybody inspiration to uh, want to become an NBA MVP. And I think that's just kind of, went downhill from there. It just started as a spiraling uh, snowball effect. And you can see all the talent that's coming through Canada. And, uh, and that's not just from Toronto, but that's throughout the whole nation. And I'm, I'm super excited. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of the Bandits for the fact that it's we get to keep talent in our own country and we get to showcase it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really Really excited about doing that. 25 Canadians in the tournament here, which is just remarkable how the numbers just continue to climb year after year. You're going to be doing some scouting here, look, mining some homegrown talent. Oh, at 100%. Come on now. You know, I can't stop. 
Nice. Love it. A couple of BC boys as well. And uh, and then, uh, you know, when this tournament's over, maybe when uh, if we get back to a sense of normalcy one day, Sack, I'll, I'll say, Sack, you got a beer? 100%. Nice. <laughs> Go Bulldogs. Love Robert, it. we've been chasing you down for a long time, uh, my friend. Uh, thank you for this. Uh, enjoy what's ahead for the next couple weeks, uh, and uh, let's hope the dogs can chase perfection and get it done. Go Zags, buddy. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Appreciate you, fellas. Yeah, appreciate you trying the time with us this morning as well. There's Robert Sacre. He is a Zag through and through. And uh, just wearing that on his sleeve this morning. Good Kobe story as well. Man, think about that, always having those uh, those moments. And that's probably the most PG story you probably got from Kobe, right? Where Listen, but... he was – James, he's – you know, they bring in Nash. They got Dwight Howard. They got Kobe. If if you're picking a team and a time to go with the Lakers, it blew up there. But you you got to think going in there as a rookie and you're hanging out that Sack is just all right. And listen, you're seven feet, you're an imposing figure, but I would imagine that wasn't a bad time to hang out with those guys. Anton Jameson, part of that group at that time. Yes. Uh, Meta World Peace, part of that group. Uh, remarkable. Uh, all right, 24 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. It is game day. Canucks and the Senators will look ahead to that matchup. A little more coming up in a matter of moments. And uh, word is out. Word starting to leak out of what the Bears offered the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. And the Seahawks still said no. You won't believe what they put forward. We'll share those details next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. I mean, I think the weirdest thing was everybody I talked to has a different experience. For me, I could just speak for myself. Back, you know, sore, body aches, just feel like I just played uh, three nights in a row. Nothing like anything I've ever had. Um, I could feel that it was something different. You can feel it in my bones and my blood and my muscles. Yeah, it was a whirlwind. Definitely an experience that I, I won't forget. Um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but here I'm alive, I'm breathing, and um, I know there's a lot of people that didn't make it through. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. There's Fred Van Vliet discussing his own personal experience uh, having dealt with COVID-19. You know, it's amazing, Pear, that, uh, you know, there's a pro athlete who talked about how it impacted him and really kind of kicked his butt. But you know, there's there's some people that are like, I got a good friend of mine that I'm really close with for years. But man, we we completely look at this differently, and he is just man, I don't care. I'm not worried about it. I will continue to go and visit mm-hmm. and hang out with people all I want and do my thing, and uh, so be it, and I'll be okay. Um, but then you listen to like what a finely tuned athlete, an NBA champion, talked about his own experience. He hasn't played since the end of February. Um, and how it ultimately kind of wiped him out. Uh, no two people who have had it, uh, both uh, absolutely steamrolled. Uh, both young people who were just said, man, like I was, yeah, everyone's had the flu. This knocked me down for like a week. No, they, they bounce back eventually, but you're right. Some, uh, you know, it, it's amazing. I, I think the NHL hit the halfway point of the, the totality of games, the halfway point of the season. And, you know, I think the only postponement we had this week was because of weather. And you look at how pro sports leagues, despite, you know, what the Raptors have been through, 
you know, they've, they've kind of got through all this stuff, and here we are getting set for baseball to begin again, you know, which was really the first league to say we're going to try this. And, you know, you're talking about the trades and transactions in NFL football that got through the, the destination. So, um, yeah, it hits you. It's still real. And I know we marked the anniversary last week. Uh, but, yeah, a guy like a fine-tuned athlete, and they get shut down for a while. But fortunately, he's back. He's okay. Uh, 8.32 uh, this hour, the starting lineup, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Uh, I want to get back to the Canucks here in a moment. A few people jumping in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. But uh, Dan Patrick's show, Dan Patrick is just sharing uh, a few minutes ago um, what his understanding was of what the Chicago Bears ultimately offered for Russell Wilson. So we had heard for weeks that the Bears were planning on making a very serious offer and pitch to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it ultimately didn't go down, and the Bears settled for Andy Dalton. He went from Russell Wilson to Plan B, Andy Dalton. Uh, that feels kind of more like Plan X, but nevertheless, here's what Dan Patrick says the Bears approached the Seahawks and what they were prepared to offer. The Bears offered three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two starters. I don't know who the starters are. The source uh, close to the Bears doesn't know who the starters are, but that Seattle was interested, but it comes down to Pete Carroll making the decision. Not the GM, John Schneider, but Pete Carroll. So there you go. So ultimately, Pete Carroll kind of saying, no thanks. The guy who wouldn't let Russ cook <laughs> ultimately said, yeah. no, 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 I want Russ to cook. Well, Pete Carroll's going to be 70 years old by the time they kick off next season. I mean, is Pete Carroll the guy and he's got a contract extension? Is, does he go, all right, yeah, let's get rid of Russ and let's see if we can rebuild this really quick. I, I don't think, you know, if Pete Carroll stays till the end of his contract, I think he's 74. I don't know if he has any of those plans. I believe it's, it's Seattle saying we're not that far away. Uh, we are removed a lot farther away if we're dealing with draft picks and giving up our quarterback because, as you see with your team, Okay, so Andy Dalton's their option. What's Seattle's option if Russell Wilson's not their guy? Well, you address it. You would have addressed it, A, in the draft in all likelihood, and you probably would have inherited uh, the only other roster quarterback. Uh, it would have been probably Nick Foles as one of those players because they would have immediately needed a quarterback, right? Not to say that Nick Foles is going to be a long-term solution, but at least it gives you a warm body to figure it out, and then you – take the the draft and develop approach but you know as somebody kind of joked on twitter i mean to be fair have you seen seattle's first round pick record now the, yeah. the bears should have offered multiple day three picks instead maybe that's the different approach but three first round picks the bears were willing to give up right and this is they just finished up the khalil mack trade no, no where they gave up multiple yeah. first round picks they also took a swing for jay cutler offering up giving up multiple first round picks right the, the bears have tried to find their franchise players and have been afraid to give up first round picks um but the seahawks not biting now would deshaun watson be an option obviously it's not happening for chicago but um but three first round picks dangled for russell wilson and the seahawks still said no hey as a bears fan you should be happy that your gm is doing everything he can Right, If that's what you're firing at Seattle, and Pete Carroll, I think, because he goes, hey, I'm not rebuilding anything, and that's what's going to happen if I don't have Russell waiting for these picks. 
uh, at least if I'm a Bears fan. And I don't mind Andy Dalton. I know you're not big on it. I think Andy Dalton, once he figured things out and got over his concussion in Dallas, he was good. He had a terrible O-line in front of him in Cincinnati. I don't blame that on him. I don't mind him as a stopgap while you draft a quarterback in Chicago. But, hey, you can't say the Bears didn't go after it. They did. And I just think a seven-year-old Pete says, I'm not rebuilding anything. Russ, you're my guy for a while. It's uh, you know, it, it's like the Bears have kind of tried it with the quarterback situation where they've, they've tried to go all the different routes, kind of what the Sabres have done, right? Like the Bears had gone down the road of they tried to do the draft and that blew up in their face when they chose Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes. You know, you tried to go with the multiple first-round picks with Jay Cutler, um, you know, Cutler was okay. You know, in the grand scheme of things, Cutler was okay, but he wasn't what they ultimately hoped that he would be uh, for them. And, and you look at the Sabres. Man, the Sabres ultimately firing Ralph Kruger this morning, pair, And look at what the Sabres have done over the last 10 years. Right? They, they've kind of done everything you, you wanted in a lot of ways, right? You've got the... You you got local ownership, right? You got Terry Pagula and the Pagula family. So hey, you got the the homegrown owner. And how many times have we heard over the years with the BC Lions in the future? Oh, you need local ownership. You need that local owner, right? The Sabers checked that box, right? Then they went out and they went through the draft, and you got you know what you thought was going to be your cornerstone player, Jack Eichel, who you know even in the McDavid draft year there were some outside whispers. Hey, it's McDavid Eichel, but you know. Nobody was really necessarily saying, Eichel, you're taking first. But there was at least that discussion a little bit that was mildly had. Well, you get, you know, you get Eichel. You know, you go get a second overall pick at Sam Reinhardt, who the Canucks were kind of flirting with in Jim Benning's first year as the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. You know, look at Rasmus Dahlin. Fallen for Dahlin, right? How many, like, remember that? We had that conversation here in this market, right? There was the talk. Boy, if the Canucks could try to tank down the stretch and, and take a shot at getting Rasmus Dahlin. And how has that worked out for the Sabres, right? You try to spend money. You bring in, you know, you bring in Taylor Hall. You bring in Jeff Skinner. And everything that they have touched has essentially turned to stone. Yeah, but they're at fault for that. Because how many people during Jeff Skinner's breakout year said, holy smokes, like, is he that good? Again, timing is everything for Skinner. But, man, when you got overinflated contracts, Jeff Skinner's at the top of the list at making his $9 million. Taylor Hall, there's so many character issues around Taylor Hall, but at least you took a shot because you know you have nothing to do with him next year if you don't want anything to do with him. You know, James, how long have you told, yeah, Kyle Pozo, that's a heck of a deal there. I mean, they put some money out for some guys who just didn't have, you know, constant trending numbers going the right way, and they threw big, big cash at them. And once you get paid, I don't care what you do, but if there's NHLers who are making some bank, and the desire seems to be going the wrong way, Taylor Hall, a great example of that, that's a spin cycle you're not getting out of. So you, you bring in a coach who is completely far away from, from being any kind of a hard ass. He is the guy who is going to sit down and be philosophical and look at the game differently. And early on, you had success with Ralph Kruger. You pay him good money, and now he walks, still has $3.75 million coming his way next year on a contract. So the Pagulas who own it are eating it. I just don't know if I look at this Buffalo team and go, they're going to fix it real quick. See, I'd rather be sitting in Vancouver than stuck with the contracts and the people and maybe the character that they have in Buffalo right now.
We should mention uh, Travis Green is meeting with the media as we speak this morning, and he has just confirmed that Thatcher Demko gets the start tonight for the Senators. It's a career-high seventh straight start for Thatcher Demko. So, uh, Joey Ken, we're just sending that over uh, moments ago as uh, Travis Green still continuing his media address. And uh, there you go. Demko time once again. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Um, you know, I think Braden Holpe will likely get one of these two against the Montreal Canadiens coming up this weekend. But, um, hey, ride the hot hand, and they're doing exactly that again tonight in the nation's capital. But he has faced a ton of shots, pair 40-plus. He's 126 shots in the last three games for Thatcher Demko in the last three games. Yeah, and, you know, he said afterwards on that win on Monday that obviously you face 20 shots, you're not going to be as tired as you face 40. But he also said he's a young guy, he's in shape. I mean, I don't think there was ever any question. I think we can question maybe what takes place on Friday. I'm playing Thatcher Demko. I mean, he has got you back into a playoff conversation as long as it is. He's brought you into that conversation. You can't afford to go into Montreal and hope that Braden Holpe is sharp when he hasn't played for a while and lose that first one to Montreal. I think Thatcher Demko plays. And Saturday, if he wins on Friday, I'm going up to him. And Pete Carroll made the call on Russell Wilson. Thatcher Demko is making his own call on whether he's in the pipes on Saturday night. It's all on him right now until they get to the break. Also, uh, some word, uh, no confirmation that uh, Tyler Mott uh, is in. Just Mott was considered a possibility for tonight. I, I think if if Travis Green is saying it's a possibility, I'm going to guess that Mott is in, but it is not confirmed that the, uh, Tyler Mott is in, but we do know that Thatcher Demko gets the start. 8.42, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show coming up at the top of the clock. It is game day. Canucks, Senators, right here on your home of the Canucks Sports. Sportsnet 650. Could have been the whiskey. Might have been the gin. Could have been the three or four six packs. I don't know, but look at the mess I'm in. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Is this the Irish Rover? Like, who is this? It is the Irish Rovers. Is it the Irish Rovers? Yeah. It is the Irish Rovers. And my uh, sister, when she was uh, four, maybe five, at a uh, at a variety show, got up and sang that in front of uh, a group of kids. Wow. Uh, are they above ground? I, I haven't thought of the Irish Rovers in twenty years. I think I think some I think some are. You know what? I, there was years ago when I was actually a uh, I, I hosted mornings at uh, ten forty uh, back in like two thousand two um, on St Patrick's Day. We had one of the Irish Rovers on on the station. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I totally fanboyed out because man, I was a huge Irish Rovers fan. Like my my parents like. We were we were one of those people that you know you make certain days of the year festive. Uh, I'm like a quarter Irish, but like we definitely had all the celebration for St. Patrick's Day. You know, everybody wore green and the the, the shamrocks on the wall and you know green beads, all that sort of ridiculous getup. That was that was our house. So talking to the Irish Rovers some 20 years ago, that was pretty cool. It was cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, good yeah. For you. yeah, no, they had a TV show. I, think. I can't even remember. I haven't even thought of that. But that song works. It's St. Patty's Day, 4 o'clock start. So if, if your local pub might be open, and uh, and they'll be shut down early today, as it is, as we uh, embark just over a year 
since you've been into this, but have a beer, watch the game, and see what you can get from a Canucks team. You know, Dorian's been on my case saying, Perry, you can't play Demko, Demko, Demko. He's going to pull a groin. The season's done. Man, you get time off. Saturday would be a big situation, but with the day in between games, I'm playing him for the next two, unless he loses. I think it's a big picture here, right? Like, I, I think, you know, look, I think I like uh, what uh, the guy from the North Shore with the spit and chiclets tattoo <laughs> describes That's himself. That's commitment. Boy, well there's, a, boy there, there's, a, there's a, a show in Barstool coming into the conversation on social media the last 24 hours. But he's saying start Holpe Friday, give Demko the extra day of rest, understand it might not be a pretty game, but come in on Saturday absolutely swinging. This is what I've been saying for the last few days here, Perrin, looking at the schedule, um, you know, if you want to ride Demko, go for it. But, you know, you got to give him one of these two days, um, especially with Winnipeg coming up next week as well, right? Give him that extra day on Friday night, and then you've got him for Saturday night, hockey night in Canada against the Habs, and, you know, get back. So you, you get that extra day. Um, I just think that with the, with the workload that he has faced here, pair over the last three starts, like these have not been ho hum, easy peasy, lemon squeezy sort of no. games, right? You're talking about an average of 42 shots a night. Like he had 46 shots that was thrown by the Senators for crying out loud on Monday night. 46 shots that he faced and still backstopped the Canucks to a win. But you know when you're giving up that many every night, like that's exhausting for a goaltender. Well, you remember the Senators on that third game and that first trip up here. They almost had 20, I think, in the first period. And they're shooting from everywhere, but you still got to be ready. You're still getting tensed up. You're making that save. So he is tired. Let's hope they play better in front of him because they stole one on Monday, and certainly that was the mindset of the players, that they got lucky. They weren't good enough. They were terrible for the first 40 minutes. Go out, play a little more physical with this team, manage the puck better, and see if you can make an easier night for your goalie, because the only reason you're in a conversation and you could kind of look at the standings and go, eh, just maybe, it's because he's, he's done. His numbers have been absolutely insane over the month of March. And I, I think you play him for as long as you can, but make the nights a lot easier than he had on Monday night for sure. Uh, so there you go. Uh, pre-game show starts at 2 o'clock this afternoon here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey coming your way at 4 o'clock this afternoon from the nation capital. Uh, and look, hey, look, Vancouver's had a ton of success this year against the Senators, right? I mean, you're, you're 4-0 now on perfect. the season. Uh, you've been absolutely perfect. And it was, it was far from perfect from a team performance uh, on Monday night. So let's see how this team ultimately responds. But looks like you're going to go back to Demko again. And Tyler Mott could be back in the lineup as well. That's a huge boost for a team that's, you know, pair, look at the numbers here. Like the Canucks are 5-1 and one without Elias Pettersson here on this run. And, you know, no Jay Beagle, you know, no no Russell. Like, you know, they're without, they're without three or four. They've been out with four of their top 12 forwards here over this last little while. And you're going to get a nice reinforcement tonight with Tyler Mott likely coming back into the lineup. I think that's a big boost you know, for the penalty kill. I think it helps out. And just from a bottom six standpoint, a guy who brings some legitimate energy every shift when he's healthy. Well, I think he brings energy into that room. I mean, you're right. The record has been good. But I would say, you know, two of the last three games that they played, they were lucky to leave with points, let alone two. 
So you get a guy with some energy, get a guy who is a little bit of a glue there that had such a great start to the season. And when you're looking for it, rather than Travis Green going, okay, i got to mix up all the lines, sometimes Tyler Mott has been that guy to find it for them. So I would expect after how they played with Mott back in the lineup as we expect, uh, it's a better effort by the Canucks and a better effort by the Canucks with the talent they have should be good enough for them to pick up the four points in the nation's capital. And then you focus on a massive 48 hours against the Habs. We got to get out of here. Uh, we're back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel on Thursday. The Scott Rintoul Show coming up. Uh, your direction and your way in just a matter of moments at the top of the clock. He's Perry. I'm James. Greg Ballack, special thanks on the other side of the glass. And we'll talk to you on Thursday morning right here on your home of the Canucks. Remember, it's game day here on Sportsnet 650.